Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Big sales! Good afternoon. You know, I... I always want to start my show off on a good note because talking sports is one of the greatest things this country has afforded me. I never, ever wanted to work in the news business because I'm just going to say this here. Um, it's great to be an American. I don't root for any one individual. I don't vote for any one individual. But what I do do, I root for America. Whatever that leads, whatever that means, okay? This country is the greatest country on the planet. I don't give a shit what anyone says. Are we perfect? No. But I wouldn't live anywhere else. And the cool thing about sports is this. You and me could sit at Lincoln Financial Okay, Republican, Democrat, Independent, Atheist, Catholic, Baptist, whomever. And have one common theme. You're rooting for your favorite team. There is nothing left in this country that hasn't been divided except sports. If you're in Buffalo, if you're in Philly, if you're in Pittsburgh, you root for the Steelers, Bills, and Eagles. Sports is the best thing on the planet, and it will always be. We can sit here, have differences in ideology, politics, but you know what we do love? Sills. This is sports. We get to get, the, we get, to get away from all that bullshit that's out there in the world today. Hey, 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 11, does this look like a Bud Light guy to you? Hey, 11, hang in here. Does this look like a Bud Light guy? Now, there's only one thing that I will attack this White House for. Are you ready? Man, Americans don't root for second place. You don't send the Iowa Hawkeyes women team to the White House for a participation medal. Like George Patton says, This is America, man. America roots for winners. We don't put participation medals on people. Come on, man. Jill. Dr. Biden. We root for winners, baby. Come on, man. Hey, we have to have participation medals at the White... Man, America don't root for second place. We're, we're, We're the country of winners. She wants to have the Iowa Hawkeyes women's team go to the White House so they could sit there and watch LSU do this again. Or I, I, I have no idea what that is, man. If I was Iowa, I'd go. I'm not going for that. Can you imagine, man? 
So like um, President Clinton invites Penn State and they say, hey, Miami, you guys were number one all year. I'd be like, screw that. I ain't going anywhere, man. You can count me out. I ain't going. Big Seals don't pick up the second place prize. That ain't working for me. Dude, that's one of the greatest things my daughter ever did. I told you guys a story. They go, Dad, they gave us a seventh place medal. My daughter's standing over a trash can. She dropped it in and she goes, we don't do that here. And I went, oh, I started crying. I was like, oh, my God, I love you. Okay. Oh, my God, we love you. Absolutely. I will say this, though. Hey, Tone, that number you told me yesterday about what the number was for the women's basketball. How about this? They had a higher number than what the average was for Thursday night football on Amazon. That shows you what those women did for the NCAA tournament, though. How incredible is that? Good for you, man. Good for you. Reese's NIL is going through the roof. Clark is getting, like, kudos all over the country for going, I don't care. Dude, that's a great moment. We started to show up. Here, second day in a row I'm doing that. Good for those women, man. They carried women's sports into the mainstream. Now it's our job as media people to cover it correctly. Stop doing that stuff. And cover them like anybody else. Oh, but they're women. Skirts. Dude, I don't care what they wear, who they are, what their sex is. Cover them fairly. Cover them correctly. All right. We are 20-some-odd days out now. What is it? 24 days out now to the draft. Um, we're going to have a conversation here about character. About Jalen Carter. Is it too much of a gamble? I think he's going to fall to 10. Everything I'm hearing. Speaking to Drew Rosenhaus. Talking with Drew. The reason that he's out doing damage control now is because, and that's why he says, he's only going to talk to top 10 teams. That means he could fall down into the teens now, in my opinion, because of character. He's going to be a storyline come draft night. Same way Aaron Rodgers was, same way Ray Lewis was, same way that Warren Sapp was. Same way that Randy Moss was. Okay? He's going to be the storyline. He is the best player, he and Will Anderson, in this draft, athletically. There's no one better. But is it too much of a gamble to take Jalen Carter at 10? I would say this to you. Would you have a problem him being out of shape? Him not making proper decisions? Are those two big red flags to invest the franchise's 10th pick? I think there's a character issue here. I'll give you some history on a few players that I know well. Warren Sapp, 
and Ray Lewis. I've told you this before. A person was murdered in Ray Lewis's dorm room. Warren Sapp had a pot issue, plus other issues. Jerome had other issues. But those organizations, the Buccaneers, remember something. Bucks had Tony Dungy. The Bucks had Dungy. Randy Moss had Dennis Green. You have to have good people around you in a top-flight organization to handle shit like this. Remember something now about the Eagles. The Eagles signed Michael Vick. I broke the story nationally. Google it. Google it. I'm the guy that broke it. It wasn't anybody at ESPN. I broke the story that Michael Vick was signing with the Eagles. No one knew but me. I had it at 11.30 in the morning. And I didn't say anything until 3 o'clock in the afternoon because I wasn't sure I wanted that. And my I was the only guy in the country that knew the Eagles had given him a contract. Okay, this guy had just spent time in Leavenworth. And there was a guy that was working him out. And he called me and said, Sills, Andy Reid's down here. Tony Dungy's here. Michael Vick's here. And I went, what's going on? And he goes, well, um, the Eagles just signed Vick. And I went, okay. And I went with it at three. It was... My daughter and I were eating pizza that day. How, how do you think Tony and I became friends? Tony goes, what do you think? I go, coach, if you give him the blessing, I'm, who am I? I think everybody deserves an opportunity. And I think Michael's done his time. And I think Michael deserves an opportunity. We all sat there. I, I met Andy Reid. All of us were sitting in the room. I forget the guy's name, Tom something, that was the trainer, that was training Vic down in Orlando at the time. And we're all sitting around, and Michael Vic came up, and he goes, hey, thank And I go, no, man. I go, Tony Dungy's the one here. Dungy made that happen. Dungy contacted Andy Reid. And that's how Michael Vic got to the Eagles. And the Eagle organization knew that they had a PR issue with all of you. Okay. They they knew they were going to have a PR issue. How long was it before Eagle fans accepted Michael Vick? How long did it take? And personally, I think Vick should have been given an opportunity. Everyone has a chance to adjudicate a mistake. How long did it take? And again, I want to find out a little more about the Eagle organization itself here. Because if Carter's there at 10, okay, he's there at 10. I'm taking him with the contingency 
with the discussion that we're going to have here. RJ says four games. You think Sirianni is good enough to handle something like Jalen Carter? You think there's enough leadership in that locker room to handle it? You think the Eagles have enough? Would you take the gamble at 10 with him? Jalen Carter. Would you take the gamble? CJ goes, I think so. Locker room, yes. Bands was mad at him until he started balling. I think that's got it. Hey, Watson, I think that's got a lot to do with this story here too. Jalen Carter comes in and starts getting four, five, six, seven, eight sacks. He starts to look like Jerome. Guys, I want to put this to you here. Jalen Carter is the closest thing I've seen to Jerome Brown. Do you want Jerome Brown on your team? Do you want Jerome Brown? He's Jerome Brown. In many ways. Now, see, it's unfair for me because I know the man Jerome, but Jerome had a lot of issues too. I did too. I did too. The Eagles have, well, they do have, they do have inside. They've got three Georgia Bulldogs there, in theory. Rocker, who coached him, Davis, and Dean, who played with him. Would you take Jerome Brown in this draft if you could? How funny is it? You took Jerome at nine. You may take the next Jerome Brown at 10. Look who you had on that defense, though. Seth, Simmons, Reggie. All the DTs you had in there that were experienced veterans. Look at the guys you had in that team, especially defensively. A lot of leadership. A lot of no-shit guys, right? There were a lot of no-shit guys. In, in that locker room, gangrene. You don't have the locker room that that locker room was. It's not. Not saying it's, you know, well, Kelsey and Lane and Graham and Jalen and Fletcher. What kind of leader do you think Fletcher Cox has been? because he'll be instrumental in this decision. Do you guys think that they gave an and tone? I'm going to tell you here, and this is where I'm going. I think they brought Fletcher Cox back at 10 because they know that they're going to take Jalen Carter if he falls or he's close to 10 because they're going to need Fletcher Cox's leadership. You don't give a guy like that 10 million bucks and just go, hey, you know what? We really appreciate, hope you pay, play 60 snaps and you know the guy's getting older. They brought him back because he's essential in this process. I think they're targeting Jalen Carter. 
And with all the Carter shit that's going on now, he's he's coming down more. Then you trade 30. Get more, get more pick. Look, the premium pick is 10. You know, Carter may even fall out of the 10. He may even fall out of the top 10. There's going to be teams that are going to be, get this, they would rather gamble on the lesser position, quarterback, because it's the most important position than the best player in the draft. Dank, I hate to say that and be that guy, but the more bad news on Jalen Carter, the better it is for the Eagles. It's a true statement. The more negative shit that keeps getting out there, fat, out of shape, agent, now saying he's only going to talk to top 10 guys. Who says he's going in the top 10? Remember something about Drew Rosenhaus. Drew Rosenhaus is the master of disguise when it comes to the draft. Look what he did for Willis McGahee and all them guys. I know him. I know how he works. Carter or Simmons at 10, Big Sills. Who are you taking? I'm taking Jalen Carter, and I'm not thinking about anything. Well, again, Jeffrey Simmons in, with Tennessee is a little. Guys, would you do this? Would you trade the 10th pick to Tennessee for Jeffrey Simmons? Sign and trade. Would you do a sign and trade? Bring Jeffrey Simmons in and put Jeffrey Simmons in the middle of that Eagle defense. Sign and trade because he's on a one year deal. He's got one year left. You send a 10th pick to Tennessee, you get Simmons in return. Do I think he's worth the 10th pick? I do. Gonzalez or Ringo? Again, no thank you. No thank you, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to get into another topic here with the Eagle defense. Okay? No thank you. At 10, no thank you. Ringo or Gonzalez? No thank you. You do nothing for my chances to win the NFC, the NFC championship this year. Those two players do nothing for me. They do nothing for me. I got my corners. I got the two best corners right now in the NFC East and in the NFC. Why do I need a guy? I'll worry about that next year. I'll address that next year. I don't need to do that. I got a quarterback to sign. I'm getting my finances in order here. Why would I cut a deal for two? $14 million corners and then draft a corner. And that guy doesn't play. These kids need to play. They need to be on the field. Last year's group included. Simmons to Tennessee. 10th pick. Sure. Heartbeat. Heartbeat. Sign and trade in a heartbeat. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving the 10th pickup with no guarantees that he's not here for three years after we make the move. I'm not, I'm not giving you the 10th pick on a rental because it would, 
right now, the way it is, it would be a rental because then he could be a free agent at the end of the year. And I'm like, no, the 10th pick is more valued than that. Not doing it. That 10th pick is the value. Again, I think Carter's going to be there. Jalen Carter's not there. I'm trading down and out of the first round with that pick. And I may even take an old lineman at 30 so that I could swing tackle him, that Skornowski kid, maybe move up to 14 from 30 and having collected picks at 10 and I get myself an old lineman. The Eagles, get this, if the Eagles took an old lineman, I'm great with that because that's who they are. Don't shit on the Eagles if they take an old lineman and trade out of the first round if their desired player's not there, okay? Don't shit on them for that because, quite frankly, I think that's – right now, here, we're, we're going to get into the defense here in a second here. Okay, and we're, we're going to get to the defense here in a second. Um, the old linemen, there's three of them in the first round you could get. I got Carter for five years. I got to pay Jalen. I need young talent on young deals. Amen. That's exactly, James is exactly thinking the way the Eagles are. Almost every single position. That Philadelphia has to fill, go young. I'd rather take what's go young or get the deal like you did for the Saints guy. I told you, linebacker safety, defensive tackle are very weak in this draft. Next year they'll be better. Get these one-year deals. Linebackers are terrible in this draft. The linebacking core is terrible. Safeties are terrible. Running back position's terrible. Outside of the top two guys, the rest of them are dudes. I'd, I'd, what's this? I'd rather have Rashad Penny after the top two guys. Honestly, for the money that they're spending on Penny, I'd rather have Penny. Arthur, there you go. I'd rather have Penny. Because there's nothing in the draft. This is a very weak NFL draft at many positions. Wide receiver, it's pretty good. Edge rusher, it's good. There's some good corners in this draft. There's one or two safeties. O-line looks pretty decent. The quarterback grouping is ranked fourth. This is not a great draft. So if you're thinking you're going to find superstars, now look, there's always going to be a guy who went, wow, holy cow, Jason Kelsey. And a ladder round, he's a Hall of Of course there's going to be guys like that. Absolutely there's going to be guys. My question is more so, are you going to take a guy that's got character issues? And I hate to do that to this kid because I don't know him from a can of paint. I'm not one of these guys that pretends to know people. Like Jalen Carter, I don't know him. I've never spoken to him. I've never said anything, but when I watch tape on him, he's Jerome Brown. His tape's not the issue. Can he show up at the stadium on Sundays? Can you imagine that? Dude, That I shouldn't be asking you questions 
Are you going to show up to the stadium on Sundays? This is almost like John Jones shit. You you can make the argument John Jones is the greatest UFC fighter of all time. You know what Jones' problem was? Showing up to the octagon. Your your career can't come down to this. Hey, are you going to show up to the octagon? Because then you start doing this. What a waste of talent. Right? John Jones, greatest UFC fighter, greatest heavyweight of all time. Khabib probably in that conversation. St. Pierre, all them guys. But Jones is the greatest. But the biggest issue with him was, are you going to show up at the octagon? Dude, can't have that as part of a narrative on your career. Yeah, man, we couldn't get him to the stadium. Dude, man, I don't want to, I don't want to draft you then. I, I think we're going to know a lot about Jalen Carter. If Tracy Rocker passes on him at 10, we're going to know a boatload about Jalen Carter. And let me put it to you this way. I don't know if you guys agree, Tone. I don't, Ellie guys, I don't know how this is going to play out for him. But if the Eagles pass on him at 10, knowing full well that the defensive line coach coached him at Georgia, he could fall to 20. Because every team's going to go, shit, the guy recruited and drafted him. The guy recruited and coached him at Georgia passed on him. Got to be something to it. Then you start seeing a guy tumble. I'm not saying he's going to get down into the 20s. I'm just saying that that's not going to be a good look if he's there at 10 and the Eagles pass on him. Okay? Because then I'll know, too, this guy's got problems. And I, and I agree with many people. If he was in the draft last year, if he or Will Anderson would have been in the draft last year, they would have been the top two players taken last year. These two players have been the best football players in the last two years in college football. Will Anderson, edge rusher, Alabama, and Jalen Carter, defensive tackle. And you know who was in that top five, too? Kid from Texas, B. John Robinson. Just telling you. You're going to have to have a real conversation. And you know what? What I drafted, me personally, I haven't answered it. Would I draft a guy who has question marks? The racing. Uh, Jerome did it. It was reckless. Thank God no one died around Jerome. Well, that was the ending demise, wasn't it? What I don't want is Jalen Carter to end like Jerome. Nobody wants that. Never thought of that. I'm calling him Jerome Brown. Let's hope the ending's not like that. I see a lot of Jerome in him. Maybe you can get to him. Talk to him. Tell him. Hey, pump the brakes. No one told Jerome to pump the brakes. Can't tell you how many times we all tried to do that. It was impossible. You were not going to stop Jerome Brown. 
on the field or in life. And he was on that gang green team with all them dudes. You're going to have to have a real big conversation. You know, when, if it gets down to like this, look. If, it, if it, it gets down to this and you're at the 10th pick and you get on the phone with him. You've got to get on the phone with him if you're Howie and go like this. Look, kid. I want to take you. I want to take you. Make me not regret this pick. I would, I would never be anything. I would never talk to him like everything was great. I would talk to him from a place of concern always until he proved it to me. Because I want to give the kid a chance. Philadelphia is his place. He can't go to the Jets. He can't go to the Raiders. He'll fail there. If he goes to the Raiders, the Jets, places like that, I'm going to add, by the way, Dave wants that, is on with us at 4.30. He helped build those Dallas Cowboy dynasties with Jimmy Johnson. I'll ask him if he would have gambled, if he and Jimmy would have gambled. Dave was the defensive coordinator of the Cowboy teams that won three Super Bowls. I'll ask Dave, would you gamble on Jalen Carter? Would you gamble on him in the first round at 10 if he falls there? We'll talk to a guy who was in all of Jimmy's draft rooms, even in Miami. When Jimmy in the latter rounds found two Hall of Famers and Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas. These guys recruited all pros and Hall of Famers. We'll ask him. And Jerome Brown was in the room with those guys when they coached us at Miami. Who better to talk to about Jalen Carter then Dave wants that. I would take him. Because I think the Eagle organization can handle him. I don't think the Eagle organization is going to... Tracy Rocker's not going to talk to him. Because you know why? Tracy Rocker knows how to coach him. I think there's only one place that he can go to be... And fulfill his destiny. It's Philly. Tracy's got to be doing this. He's either saying, stay away, or let's, we got to find a way to get him. Or we got to find a way to get him. You got a guy next to him. and Fle- You know Fletcher Cox, Jordan Day. Dude, that whole threesome there could develop into the best three defensive tackles in the league in 2023 if it's done right. With Milton Williams also in the rotation, it would be an upgrade and cheaper than a year ago. The Eagles could actually upgrade their defensive tackle position if this is done right. You get Jalen Carter. He's a better player than Javon Hardgrave. Minus Hardgrave's experience. Dude, 
you got an opportunity here because I think this kid's falling. Every day I wake up, I see something shitty on him. If you're people in Philly, you got to be doing this. Great. Great. Now, it's do you have the balls to do it? You had the balls to put Vic on the team. You should have the balls to do this. Eagles see something here. Let me say this to you. If you get Jalen Carter at 10, it'd be like the first pick in the draft. Would you guys want to have the first pick in the draft be the 10th pick and he's on a rookie deal and he's a DT? It would be one of Howie Roseman's greatest moves by not doing anything, sitting there and waiting for the trap to fall. How, Dude, people are going to be offering him a king's ransom if that kid, with the fact that the quarterbacks are all going to go in the top five. With Carter falling, the value of that 10th pick It's increasing every day. The 30th pick is where he's going to... The 30th pick is where he's going to get his player if he so desires to trade out of that 10th pick. Howie is waving that 10th pick around right now like it's the golden ticket. Let me show you how crazy this all is going down. I found out Bill Belichick has been shopping Mac Jones. You just drafted the guy in the first round two years ago. He sucks already? And you're going with Bailey Zappi? You're going with Bailey Zappi because he sees what happened in San Francisco. I don't need to be paying a first-round guy money when I can have Brock Purdy, Bailey Zappi. Shit, Jalen Hurts. He's shopping Mac Jones. Does that mean he's making a play for potentially one of those uh, quarterbacks to fall? 10th pick, Patriots, they want to make a move? Get this, man. Bill Belichick has got to start winning something because this guy looks like Cleveland Brown now, Bill Belichick. You're starting to get that George Seifert tag about you a little bit. Hey, man, you're in San Francisco and you're winning all them games. You go to Carolina, you suck out loud. Man, I'm telling you. Hey, Bill. Bill better win this year. Belichick better win. (laughs) Better win. Arthur goes, I have to believe the Bears who traded back from one would take him. The Bears have to build that offense and get some players for Justin Fields. They've got one of the worst offensive lines. And quite frankly, the kid in Chicago's right there. That kid's Kronoski. Draft the kid. He's right there from Northwestern. They had a chance to watch him his entire career in Chicago. Why wouldn't you take that? You probably have more eyeballs on that guy than Jalen Carter. The Bears can't make any. By the way, Dave Wanstat also works on the Bears pre and post game. I'll ask him if they'll take Jalen Carter. Dave was the former head football coach of the Bears. I'll ask him. Now it works for Fox Sports, too. 
was my defensive coordinator in Dallas and with the Miami Hurricanes. Dude, Jalen Carter is there. My only concern will be, do the Eagles have the balls to do it? Are they okay with him showing up to the combines, fat and out of shape? I'll tell you something, man. Okay, that's a problem for me. So you show up to the combines and you can't even get through drills. And Tracy, let me tell you, okay, I had a conversation again. And I told you who was running the defensive drills at the combines. Carl Dunbar, who's a D-line coach at the Steelers. I said, what about the kid? He goes, man, he was out of shape. His start was slow. He was just out of shape. He wasn't ready. I go, what do you attribute that to? He goes, preparation. I said, oh, what? He goes, Dan, what's the rule? Dude, it takes no – hey, guys, always remember this. It takes zero athleticism to be in shape. You don't have to be a great athlete to be in shape. That's determination and desire, and that's doing it when the lights aren't on you and no one's watching you, Okay. That's when you know you got a ball player, like Jalen Hurts, doing all that shit when no one's watching him. That's the pr- – look, look, maybe Jalen and his work ethic rubs – that happens. That happens. Work ethic can rub off. Dude, I played – when I, I seriously, I sat next to Jerome and watched him, and I wanted to do every single thing he did. It was so important for me to perform like him. I watched every single thing he did. And before you know it, he started watching all the preparation I started to do. Before you know it, Cortez Kennedy, Russell Maryland, Warren Sapp, and all these guys watched films of how Jerome and I played the position at Miami. Ed Ogeron told you that. They watched tapes for 20 years on us and how we prepared. Dude, preparation in that league it's 10 times more important because you can't get You can't get around the fact that this, hey, you think you're a better athlete than them? No, you're not. And if they're more prepared than you, they're going to kill you. JM goes like this. Carter won't grow up. That's a, that's a concern, dude. That's a total concern. Hanging with the right people? 11. He's been at Georgia for two years and was the centerpiece on back-to-back national title teams. Being around good people? I don't know if you can be around any better people. Do you know that he has now part of a program that has taken the baton from Bama? as the best football program in the country, and he was a catalyst in it. You don't want that on your team? Boy, I sure want to know why. You see, right now for me on Carter, I want to know why I wouldn't want to take him. Not if I'm going to take him. Why wouldn't I take him? What are the intangibles out there? I think the Eagles are going to get a shot at him. Because you know why in the draft? There's a lot of people that overcook this thing. And there's a lot of people that overdraft. Look, like I said to you guys, Jordan Davis was overdrafted. 
this guy's, this guy's not going to be overdrafted at 10. But could his maturity derail his career? How many times do I got to tell you guys, take it from me. Don't let immaturity and lack of understanding the room derail your career. Okay? Take it from big sales. Don't, don't let, don't let that derail you because there are so many speed rumps on the way to success in that league. You want to be Barrett, Barrett Brooks, not Dan Cilio. Okay. You want to be him navigating your way through the league, understanding how and what it is to be a pro. Understanding the room and what they're doing and what they're saying to you. Okay? Know the room. But that takes focus. Dude, you got to be focused in that league or they'll run your ass out of it. No matter how talented you are, ask your Marcus Russell. I've seen tons of defensive superstars that were in college get to the NFL and get run right out of that freaking league. You guys remember Steve Etman? I don't know if you remember Steve Etman. I think he was the number one overall player taken in the draft one year. He went to Washington, got to the league, thought he could just beat people up. Didn't work. <clears throat> he was an average player. Do you think the Eagles would take a troubled kid? You guys think the Eagles would take him if he's there at 10, would they? Is that their MO? You guys tell me they won't take a linebacker or a running back. Would they take him at 10? Would Howie take a defensive tackle at 10? Him, a Jerome Brown type. Barbara says, no, they won't. Jason, yes. I do not believe they're taking Bijan. I, 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 they should, because he's the only guy in the draft that can help Jalen. Callie says yes. All right, let's move on to this topic. Um, I think if Tracy Rocker gives the go-ahead and the – Personnel people and Nick and everyone and the new coordinator are sold. I think they will too. I think Tracy, we're going to know. We're going to know a lot about Jalen Carter in this draft. I think he's tumbling. Every day there's shitty news. Now, is that by design by other organizations? Because they're hoping. I'm hearing the Raiders want to take him. I think that'd be a disaster if he went to Oakland. Las Vegas. All right. Let me ask you this. I heard this today. And I'm going to ask Dave Wanstead this question. He's the coordinator of three, three Super Bowl titles. Is this Eagle defense good enough to repeat as NFC champions? Do you think this defense is good enough to repeat right now? Do I think it's better than the 49ers? I do not. I do not think it's better than San Francisco. James says no. Um, 
Do we not agree today's NFL? Hang on, guys. Jason, guys, hang on before you say no. The NFL wants defenses to play in space nowadays. Which means this, targeting. Defenseless receivers. Quarterback hits. Playing stout defense, is it essential any longer? Can you even play elite defense anymore? Is it important to have an elite defense today? Look, I get it. you got to make stops. But has the NFL morphed into a league that's kind of like arena football? The NFL doesn't want to see 21-17 games anymore. The NFL wants to see 35-31 games, prop bets, gambling, um, more, more commercials. 21-17 is not going to gather a lot of people at the TV set. Me, I like those games. But just like one thing that I have had to deal with, especially with the Philadelphia Eagles, what was my mentality? Hey, you got to play. Five exhibition games. You got to get out there and you got to hammer it out. That's not the way it is any longer. Those controlled scrimmages now are an essential part of preparation for each and every single season now. It's a major part now. And these exhibition games are not really – shit, you can't can't even make a team now off those exhibition games. They're they're almost like a non-factor. They're like a non-factor, those exhibition games. So my my point is, I think the Eagles are going to run the same defense. They may give up a couple more points. Say they do this. Instead of giving up the amount of points they gave up last year, say the Eagle defense gives up eight more points. But the Eagle offense scores eight more points. Does it matter? Does it matter? This is all about, get this. Maybe this is all about playing center field. You know, just like with me with dual threat quarterbacks, maybe the one thing I got to realize, hey, Sills, you ain't ever going to see a Ravens, a 85 Bears, um, gang green. You're not going to see those kind of defenses any longer. They're not going to exist. And the NFL has almost eliminated those type of defenses, haven't they? Every year they've eliminated. What's the last big-time defense that you guys can remember that was essential in winning a Super Bowl? Not even the Patriot teams. Because it was all Brady, right? That's it, Picking. I'm personally thinking this. And this goes to what Tone said a couple weeks ago or maybe a couple days ago. Hey, man, why would I pay $20 million for a defensive tackle? Why? Okay, why would I spend money on a position that's not a premium position? Give me a couple good corners, an edge rusher, and hopefully we have five or six stops in a game. My offense is great. I'm going to spend all my money on the offensive side of the table because, quite frankly, that's where the Eagles have all their money now. Look at where the Eagles have spent their money. It's pretty telling on what today's NFL is. Corner, edge rusher, 
That's where the Eagles have spent their money on defense. Look where they spent their money on offense. O-line, tight end, wide out, soon-to-be quarterback. All the premium positions. Howie looks at these new fill-ins like the linebacker they got from um, Chicago. He don't care. No, he wants him to play, and he's got to be effective. But, dude, he's hoping to get Kaiser White season out of him. I started thinking about this last night going, you know what, man? I think today's NFL and today's way of playing defense, dude, you're not going to see Reggie White teams and Lawrence Taylor defenses with Carl Banks on the other side, Leonard Marshall, and Reggie White and Seth Joint. You, you don't see those. So it's frustrating for guys like me and Seth to watch a game because you know why? We don't see the aggressiveness. I don't think coordinators today want to be aggressive. I think they're counting on the offenses to make more mistakes. Look at Jonathan Gannon's mentality. And Sean Desai's being told basically the same thing. Hey, look, in a 14-play drive, I think Jalen's going to make a mistake. In a 14-play drive, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to throw an interception. Or Josh Allen. Or Joe Burrow. Am I wrong? Running back is an important part of playing football, but not on the payroll. Because I got to pay wideouts. I'm going to be more, look at what the Chiefs did. They let the greatest deep threat go in the league, maybe, next to DJX, right? And they kept their tight end. They're not letting Travis Kelsey ever go. Travis Kelsey's going to have the same career that Gronkowski had in New England. And with Brady. If Mahomes ever leaves, Kelsey's going with him. Jeremiah says red zone defenses and turnovers are all that matters in today's NFL. I agree with you, Jeremiah. I think the Eagle defense is being constructed exactly the way the NFL is trending. And something else to play a factor in this. Okay. So you look at the NFC and you go like this. What quarterbacks in the NFC do I have to have an elite court, an elite corner or elite defense to play against? Who? What guy would I have to have that I need to stop and I need to worry about? Rodgers is soon to be a Jet. Matthew Stafford, he doesn't frighten me. He has no O-line. He has no running back. There's no running game. Matthew Stafford, dude, Detroit frightens me more than the Rams. How about that? After that whole golf in Stafford deal, golf scares me more than Matthew Stafford because they have more pieces up there. Isn't that crazy? Matthew Stafford scared. Matthew Stafford doesn't scare me as much as Jared Goff and his Lions. Who would have thought that two years removed from them? They got their Super Bowl, albeit. But the Lions are more formidable, in my opinion, than the Rams. Told you this before. I think that Lions game at the beginning of the year a year ago, I, I think that was probably one of the Eagles' toughest games. So my point getting back, maybe Howie is onto something here. Look what he's figured out. How to keep the team healthy. Get me to December and January healthy. Eagles went to the Super Bowl with all 22 healthy. That's insane. 
That's insane. And they've been healthy two years in a row. So now it's a trend. It's a trend now. It's That's not luck. That's a trend that the Eagles are healthy. And they're healthy at the end of the year, which is insane. And does it have anything to do with the fact they don't play exhibition football? More controlled scrimmage work? Probably. Sills, you got to re- readjust that. And now maybe I have to readjust how you play defense. Maybe Jonathan Gannon was a great coordinator in today's NFL. Today's NFL is not Buddy Ryan's NFL or Jim Johnson's NFL. Going to talk to a guy who won three Super Bowls. Dave wants that, 430 Eastern. Let's see if he agrees with that. Today's NFL is not Jim Johnson's NFL. Especially the style of defense. So when he looks at the safety position that Gardner Johnson say, Gardner Johnson wants the money. All the players are looking at, hey, I led the NFL in interceptions. I should be rewarded for that. Okay, this is what we think you should be rewarded for. Let me tell you the worst thing ever happened to safeties was Jamal Adams. That's the worst thing ever happened to safeties. Because once they saw Seattle not get their return on investment, you'll never see a safety as far as I'm concerned. Now, the kid Bates, he better produce to save the position. Let me tell you this. If that guy Bates fails, why would you in the world ever pay that position again? The amount of equity that Seattle had to give up, three ones, was it, or some shit like that, and $20 million, they never got their return. They never got their return on investment. Never got it. Howie had to look at it like this. Well, shit. First off, Gardner's not Bates. Okay? See, Gardner Johnson started believing that he was Bates from Cincinnati, and he's not. Oh, boy, you saw the market. What's that got to do with the difference in players? I hate when I hear that market price. Dude, just because you're in the market, there's a difference between a Ferrari and an Acura. Gardner Johnson's an Acura. Bates is a Ferrari. You may be up for deals at the same time, but there's different asking prices for Ferraris and Acuras. Okay? I'm not saying he's not a good ball player, and there's a lot of talent there with Gardner Johnson. But me? My eyeball test, I'm paying that guy, and I want to see it with you. I want you, because I think there's a bright future for you, but you ain't that guy. You ain't that guy. Just like I say this, hey, just because Jalen Hurts is up and Joe Burrow's up, (laughs) not close. I mean, it's not close. There's two different quarterbacks. Okay, there's two different guys here. And one guy went into a place that has been known as the armpit of the NFL and changed the culture. Jalen didn't have to change a culture. The culture's been set in Philadelphia. It's a great run organization. Cincinnati is run like a dollar store. Okay. They got, like I said, Mike Brown's got zippers on his wallet when he walks into a restaurant. 
That's right, man. Acuras are nice too, but they ain't Ferraris. Nothing wrong with an Acura. I owned one. Nothing wrong with one. But when I had a Maserati, Maserati and an Acura, a little different. (laughs) A little different, trust me when I tell you. Right? Uh, dual goat, right? Very good reference. Yesterday's price isn't today's price, you pancake eater. I'm with you. Jeremiah goes, no, Sills. When Jalen took over, it was a four-win team. Are you trying to tell me that you think that Jalen Hurts was signed by a bad organization? And it was Jalen Hurts who turned the Eagles into the organization they are today? That I will 1,000% completely disagree with you. Ever since the owner, Jeffrey Lurie, has owned a team, he has never had a coach. Once you got past Ray Rhodes, who's never had a losing record, there's general managers all over the place that have come out of that front office. Absolutely do not 100% agree with that at all. I, I completely disagree with that. They were just some bad seasons there. They were bad seasons, not a bad organization. An organization that makes poor decisions is Dallas. The organization is a result. The team is a result of the organization, though, Jeremiah. You can only build the team from the people upstairs. Success trickles down, not up. Okay? Success trickles down. The Eagle owner has been a brilliant owner. And I I have said that, and I'll continue to say that. The owner of the Eagle, Eagles, makes right hires. They make great decisions. They move off of problems pretty pretty quick. You know, the Derek Barnett's and the Jalen Ragers of the world, they kind of like drag their feet a little. I mean, Jalen Rager should have been cut the same way the receiver, that guy Henry, was cut up in New England. Once you realize he sucked, you move off him. You don't keep him around and then move him for a seventh rounder. It looks kind of stupid, like you just held on to your reputation. Jalen Rager hurt Howie Roseman's reputation by holding on to him too long. Yeah, you hold on to Derek Barnett, you've, hold, you've held on too long. You've held on too long to that guy. He has been a bust. They moved off. Of, uh, they moved off of Dillard. Okay. They moved off of him. They realized he's not going to be what they. I mean, think of this. You know you're losing Isaac Sayamalo, right? And you still let Andre Dillard go. There was no talk of moving him the right guard. Oh, that's right. His flexibility wasn't there for him. What? Th- then you get out of that. You get out of that. See, what kills me about Andre Dillard's move, how stupid he is, I get he got a lot of money from Tennessee. I get it. But how stupid is he? You know what I would have did? I may have taken some less money. I would have been put in the guard position, right guard. I would have played two years or maybe even give me a one-year deal. I go out there and turn into an earth mover in between Kelsey and Lane Johnson. I would have went in the open market, and I'd have been a $15, $16 million guy. Instead, you go to Tennessee as a backup, and as of right now, well, hey, okay, 
We think there's some talent there, this and that. There's still question marks on you, son. If that's me, I may, if you're, see, this is where Barrett Brooks again is smart, not Cilio. You play that right guard position at lesser money and how we would probably do it because you're one of his guys. You go in there and you start turning into an earth mover. You're playing in next to two Hall of Famers. You could open checkbook next year. He didn't see that though. They had a position for him. Andre Dillard had a position waiting for him. Had a position. They had a position. Dude, now you're going to move Jurgens over. Not a true position for him. Dude, that guy didn't see things very clearly, and his lack of flexibility has hurt his career. Trust me when I tell you that. Trust me. I mean, but you had an opportunity in Philly to make a lot more money next year. You don't want to do that. You didn't want to do that. Now you got to put a guy out of position. That's okay. I think it's still going to work. Right guard, right guard, right guard, because Sam Otto's not there. You put him at right guard. There was an open position. You knew you were losing Isaac Sayamalo. Diller didn't see that. I could start in Philly. The Eagles didn't even – they probably went to him. Hey, I, you know, one thing I heard on the Slay podcast – I heard Slay said that Hardgrave wanted to stay in Philly badly. And the only reason that he went to San Francisco was because of the money. But he didn't want to leave. So that tells you about the culture in the building, too. That's pretty cool to hear. Javon Hardgrave did not want to leave Philadelphia. I mean, they just didn't have the money. This is, again, a casualty of war because of Hertz's contract. Hertz is the reason... Javon Hardgrave's not an eagle. It's the process. You, you, there's no doubt Jalen Hurts wanted Javon Hardgrave on the team. But at the end of the day, this is about him too. And him getting paid. Yeah. Slay said it. Hardgrave, man, they talked all the time. They didn't, he didn't want to leave. He didn't want to leave Philly. He said all the things that he had been doing. He loved playing next to Flex. It's great to hear that, too. You know how sometimes you get, look, look at Gardner Johnson out the door and how he's still bitching at the Eagle guys. You hear Hardgrave and Slay saying, hey, man, the guy really loved playing in Philly. He's got no ill will. He enjoyed, he goes, I'll miss that guy in my huddle. He was fun to play with. And, dude, that's a great, 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 great message for future free agents that want to play in Philadelphia is to hear a guy who was given – $60 million in guarantees, an $84 million deal that's being paid $20 million. And he's saying, I didn't want to leave. I don't know about you, but that says a lot to me. That says a lot. It says a lot, man. Dave wants that who won three Super Bowls as a D coordinator, has coached a lot of troubled guys, including Jerome Brown. Would you take Jalen Carter at 10? 
Dave will be with us at 4.30 Eastern. Hour two's coming up. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Heading down the shore. Have a ball once more. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. My name is uh, Fran Soleno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. National Football Show, Dave Wanstead, the architect, along with Jimmy Johnson on building the Cowboy Dynasty. Coached a lot of troubled players. Would he take Jalen Carter at 10 if he's Howie Roseman? Um, I'm going to get to a couple things here in a second, but I want to say this to you. You have to understand something when I compare somebody to Jerome Brown. Jerome Brown's better than Sapp. Jerome Brown's better than Fletcher Cox. Jerome Brown's the second best defensive lineman in Philadelphia Eagle history. 
So when I say this to you, that he shows all the characteristics on being Jerome, I don't throw that out lightly. Unfortunately, he's got some of the characteristics that was Jerome's demise. Remember, you live on the edge. A lot of great players, Lawrence Taylor, Ali, Tiger, Jordan. I tell you this all the time about greatness. I'd rather pull a guy off the ledge than push him to it. And this kid here has all the makings. However, he's got a fundamental thing in his head that has to grow up. Ray Lewis grew up and out of his, let me be safe here, out of his crew, had to get rid of him. We all told him, Ray, leave those fuckers behind. They're dragging you down, dude. Ray, do you really want to be on television and leg irons? What are you doing? Sills. I, dude, no sills. No sills. Dude, my kid sees you on TV and goes, isn't that your friend Ray Lewis? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Ray, get rid of these guys. They're killing you. I didn't do it. I don't give a shit. No one cares you didn't do it. No one cares. They care you're there. That's all they care and see. Get the hell away from them people. Before it's too late. Dude, you don't have a third life. The whole shit at Miami and now this, people are going to look at it. I know you're a good dude. You can't, you, you just, you, you have to grow up. Just grow up. And sometimes growing up is leaving people behind. I told him, dude, get five people in your life. Get five people you trust and the rest of them, friends let you down all the time. Because most people are fundamentally flawed. And they're, people will always let you down. You can't pick your family, but you can pick your friends. And once you know they're Judases, cut them out. They're nothing. Hey, it's their loss. Cut them out, dog. He did. Philanthropist now. He, he goes and talks to kids. Ray grew up, man. Was it, He learned a lot from an unfortunate circumstance. Someone lost their life. Dude, I can't tell. I wasn't the only person talking to him. There were tons of people. The only people he trusted were hurricanes. 
get a call one day, Sills, dude, it, you have to stop this. Yeah, but I go, I don't give a shit about these guys from Florida. Get rid of them, all of them. They're, 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 they're taking you. I've, I've never told the story. Hey, my first words, get the, get those guys out of your life. I don't give a shit who they are. I go, we told Jerome the same shit. Get these guys out of your life. Get them out of your life. They're not helping you. And so this is what you got to tell Jalen Carter. Jalen, who, who's in your life right now that's an influential person in your life? Who's an influence to you? You could tell from the character of who you hang with sometimes. You know, if you see somebody, you know, that's why I, I told you guys this yesterday. Athletes have never been idols of mine. I have never had an idol that was an athlete, ever. Uh, how, how, how could they be? I didn't know. I like the character of people. Those are my idols. Some dude playing on TV was like a cartoon to me. Might as well been Batman. I didn't care. How would I know? I don't know Batman, and I don't know Lawrence Taylor. I don't give a shit about Lawrence Taylor privately. But Lawrence Taylor's a football player. He's not, he's not a role model for me. Role model was my grandfather got up off his ass every day, was a fireman and was a, was a fisherman every day, worked his ass off every day. When I was younger, spoke Italian and English in my house, and we were raised that way. My folks spoke Italian most of the time. Okay, I mean, it was hard work, man. My grandfather worked as, he delivered like oil um, for Genovese. Uh, he did cement. He was a fireman for 30 years. And he was a fisherman. All back-breaking jobs. Ton of bricks fall on my grandfather. Um, and he's all cut up because he was working at the cement place. He had a night shift. He had to go to work, man. I watched my grandfather and I went, that's my idol. That's why my daughter's named Danielle. And not after me. Not after me. Everyone thinks I named my daughter after. That's not true. I named him after my grandpa. <laughs> Grandfather's cut. Got cuts all over him. Should have went to the hospital. I got a night shift at the fire department. Some guy on TV, my idol. Big Sills don't roll that way. Big Sills doesn't roll that way, dude. Okay? That's why you got to have people around you that inspire you, motivate you, and will tell you the truth. Not tell you fantasies. That's what good coaching is. Hey, Silio, I don't need you. I want to keep you here. Make me want to keep you here. That's how we were all coached by Jimmy. Hey, I don't need you. I got 700 guys like you. And if you act up, you're out of here. I told you guys a story. I got in trouble because of a situation at Maryland. Got thrown out. And Jimmy goes, you got one shot, dude. He goes, don't let me. Don't let me throw you off this team. He'd have threw me off the team in 10 seconds. I left there an All-American. Because I listened to him. 
I I took heat in them. My Italian grandfather worked until he was 81. Yeah, sounds right. Tyler, hardworking folks, right? And folks are hardworking people, man. Man, my grandfather broke his back. Man, I went out in the mornings. My, my childhood was a fisherman too. I was a fisherman's helper. I went out my entire life on a boat with my grandfather, and we lifted 250 lobster pots every other day. From sun up to sundown. Every day. Every every other day. Every other day we're on the water. That's my aunt. Every other day. Lifting these pots. And there's my 60-some-odd-year-old grandfather lifting these pots. 50, 50 pounds apiece, four on a line. This guy, I, that's my idol. Some guy making tackles is my idol? I don't think so. How shallow is that? People who like revere athletes so much, it, 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 it's cool, but I, I, I revere hard work. And, and that's kind of what we kind of lost a little bit. And that's why when you see a guy like Jalen Carter, dude, are you willing to work? Are you willing to put in the time? You're in a position to get generational wealth. Dude, this ain't about, you know, playing football for your room and board. This, this is now making millions. People investing time. Assets. NFL is built by billionaires. You know what that means? They're all sharks that swim in guppy tanks. And they don't sit around waiting for dummies. Or people with low character. That's what I'd be telling this kid. I want to draft you. I want to draft Jalen Carter. But there's some issues I got with you. And I would be as open. Dude, I would would show him. I would show him an NFL check that he's going to get. Here's a $5 million check that's yours. Tell me why I should give it to you. With some of the shit that's out there on you. By the way, like I said, at 4.30, Dave Wanstat, former Bears and Miami Dolphin head coach, and was the defensive coordinator of three Super Bowl championship teams in Dallas, was part of the Herschel Walker trade. I'm going to ask him, as a D coordinator, would you take Jalen Carter at 10 if you're Howie Roseman with some of the concerns you have? And I'll ask him, what would you do? Three Super Bowl rings, a national championship to boot. This guy is one of the very few coordinators that has won championships at both levels. Would you take Jalen Carter at 10? Who better to ask? Dan, you're the man, my friend. If Eagles offered a job part of the defense, would you jump on it? Or would you have reservations like Seth because? Um, Ace, I would say this to you. 
you 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 have to navigate. You have to navigate through the halls of Philadelphia, because Howie has so much power. Okay, you have to navigate yourself. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think they keep everything. And and I think they departmentalize everything in Philadelphia. You're here, you're here, you're here, you're here, Howie's over everything. And when you start putting your face into other things and you start doing that, that's not your job. That's Howie Roseman's job. And see, that's what Doug wanted to start doing. Doug wanted to start dipping his beak into the personnel department and they depart. This is how I'm reading it. Maybe you guys see it completely differently. Okay, I think the Philadelphia Eagles departmentalize everything. You're here, you're here, you're here. And when someone comes out of their character or comes out of their sandbox, I think it's Howie Roseman's position that that's my job. You see, Doug wanted to start doing some of Howie's job. And I think that's where it all went went to hell. Between both men, two very successful men, two men that were probably right. But there has to be only one rooster in the hen house. You can't have two. And the owner knows that. There's got to be a pecking order. There's, I'd say this, Yale. Yeah, every team that's successful has that. There's one rooster in New England. Seattle. You don't have a congregation of people that are going to make decisions to win championships. I don't give a shit what the guy around the corner who's a scout thinks whether or not we should hire this coach or not. That's not his job. Go find me talent, kid. That's your job. If you got to go to Fond du Lac, Wisconsin and get on a, a an airplane to find me a guy, go get him. That's your job. Telling me who to take is not the job I asked you, unless I ask you. That's not your position. You need to know your place in that organization. It's not a bad thing. It keeps everything departmentalized, and it keeps everything structured. See, Dallas doesn't have that. Look at what Dallas doesn't have. Nothing is departmentalized because Jerry's in everything. He's in the game plan. He's in the personnel. He's in the drafting. He's in the coaching hires. He's in probably talking to McCarthy on what they're going to do on situational play calling. That that's that, That's not... That's not a place for Jerry Jones. He's not a football man. He thinks he's one. Just because you laced him up don't make you a football operations guy. Dude, that guy's more about the jocks and socks. Not the Jimmys and the Joes. That's why they don't win. Dallas doesn't win in the... Get this. It sounds like I'm slamming the Cowboys. What have you done in 27 years? What have you done? You got three playoff wins in 27 years and you get bounced. Dude, you get bounced out of the NFL playoffs more than a Super Bowl bounces. You know those old Super Bowls that you bounced and went like a billion times? They're like the world's example of the NFL Super Bowl. You're always bounced. Losing to Brock Purdy. You're kidding. And you're paying your guy 49 million bucks this year. Bro, you better do some freaking winning. You better do some winning this year, man. 
Dak Prescott, in my opinion, I love the kid. I think he's another one of those poster childs for being the face of a franchise. Okay, great. What's his record in the playoffs? Dude, you make your legacy in the playoffs. You don't make your legacy throwing yards like Kirk Cousins during the regular season. Shit, Kirk Cousins, man. You can put his numbers up next to anybody. You put him in the playoffs, this guy shrinks like an egg that's under a light. Honestly, man, I mean, I've never seen a guy, if the lights are at night, and that's why I always say this, hey, if you're going to play Kirk Cousins, man, play him at 8 o'clock at night because you know why? You'll kick that guy's ass <laughs> from Minneapolis to Philly. Guy ain't winning it. I would never count on that guy to win a ball game. He can't win. He, he, he can't win. Dak's got – hey, in my opinion, this is it. Dak Prescott's got to win this year. And I'm not just talking about beating Philly. Dude, you got to have a I – I don't know the most significant win he's ever had. I, I, I don't – I couldn't tell you what it is. The most significant win he's ever had. Should Jalen, at least, you can do this. Well, Jalen won an NFC title game. No matter how well he played or not, he won it. He's in it. He got it. Nobody wants a second-place ring. I get it. But, dude, he's got an NFC championship ring. Dak hasn't even been to a conference title. I mean, when's it? I'm, now I'm just throwing money into a trash can and lighting it on fire. Right? Now you're just, now you're just lighting money on fire. Dude, give me Brock Purdy. Shit, no wonder they like the kid Cooper Rush in Dallas. He's $41 million cheaper. That whole thing in Dallas is a train wreck at the quarterback position financially. That's a good player. Money-wise, ain't worth it. You are not getting your return on investment. When Dallas and Jimmy parted ways was the biggest mistake. Jerry's ego ruined the franchise. But you and Seth... You guys are like Dicka. It's a different NFL today, man. You know, when, when, and before we bring Coach Wanstad on, let me say this to you. When Coach Wanstad, Coach Wanstad was a very aggressive coordinator. But you know where he was aggressive with? His front four. Because most of the time, when Dave was the DC in Dallas and in college and almost all of his other places, and the places that he didn't have pressure on the front four, those are the places that traditionally struggled because he believed in this, get home. Then you've got really great corners and safeties back there. Do you know when the Cowboys won all them Super Bowls, they were the youngest team in the league. They went out and they found guys in ladder rounds. But the key to the whole thing was playing the 43. An aggressive 43. Now, one last thing before I bring Coach on. Coach wants that is the guy who recruited Aaron Donald. Coach Jerome Brown. Coached guys like Jalen Carter. I've said this to you guys, and I, 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 I rarely say this. Jerome was a loose cannon, as I was, as Jimmy said it too. We all were. But they controlled us. And I'll say this to you. When you have character issues, 
Dave Wonstadt, Butch Davis, Jimmy Johnson were the greatest evaluators of the interview. Let's bring in Coach Wonstadt. Coach, um, what's up, Danny? How you doing, Coach? I, I want I want to start right out of the gate here with you. There's a lot of negativity being thrown around right now on Jalen Carter. It looks like he potentially could fall, maybe even to the Bears where you do some work with those guys. Um, Coach, when you see a player like that, and I'm going to use Philadelphia at 10, if Howie Roseman has the ability to draft him at 10, and you're in that chair, you're the D.C., would you draft him at 10? Well, you know, I um, – uh, I think the now we don't know the history. We know that all his legal issues, accusations, whatever at Georgia, uh, some of them obviously he was cleared of, of all the major ones. Uh, what something like that does, though, Dan, it would cause us to now dig a little deeper and look a little further into the history of any player and say, now, was this a one time incident? Or is there a history of this? So let's, let's assume that everything is good. Okay, that's all good. Now, as a player, I haven't evaluated all the tape. You know, and, and I know that mo- a lot of people uh, had him as the best player in the draft. Coach, he, I, looked like Jer- he looks like Jerome. He did. I'm watching that championship game. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like to see defensive linemen put their hands up and say, give me a rest. Right. Yep. And I'm, and I'm watching this guy and I'm waiting to see a Jerome Brown or a Cortez Kennedy or a Russell Maryland. Okay. Or Dan Cilio, you know, I'm waiting to see these impact plays in the biggest game of the year. And I didn't see it. Now I would go back and I would be real clear. I would make the decision if I was Howie in Philadelphia, is is he the type of player? Let's assume everything's good. Is he the type of player that uh, that we can count on to go out there and play every game of the season and play through some when he's banged up a little bit and be on time and do all those things that you need to do to be a real, real pro? Uh, that's the only question. I can't answer that. From an ability standpoint, uh, sure. I, if I was the Bears, I would take them. And the other thing that you got to look at, you know, there's a... Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. There's a half a dozen, they call them edge rushers now. I call them defensive end, pass rushers. There's probably two times, maybe three times as many pass rushers in this year's draft as they are inside tackles. And he's had guy that could play the 4-3, as you mentioned, at Philadelphia. You know, the Bears with Matt Eberflus, the head coach, they run a 4-3. And, and it's a combination of what we did at Dallas 
and what Tony Dungy did at Tampa, kind of a combination of both. Uh, he can play a tackle in a 4-3. He can play a nose guard. You know, in a three. So you could put him in a you could put him in a one, a yep. slant, a two, and a three, and kind of move him up and down the line and go to bare front, fifty front, thirty four, forty three. You're looking at the versatility. Yeah, he he's a Jerome Braun type that, that yeah. he could Jerome could play the nose and 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 so he's that you know Cortez Kennedy that type yeah. of player as compared to the guy and I love him the the Cancy kid at Pitt. You know, the defensive tackle, uh, shorter, not as big, but he is a typical three technique. You know, he, he's not big and physical enough, in my opinion, to play the nose. But you put him on the edge of a guard, and he's going to make a – as he did in college. He led the country in tackles for loss. He's going to make a lot of plays. So you think he's a three technique? I think Kansas a definite three technique, but I think Jalen Carter gives you a lot more flexibility. Coach, when you when you were recruiting Aaron Donald, what was the thing you did? Because, Coach, you you've recruited so many great players, man. I mean, the the list is endless. I mean, of some of the guys, Darrell, I could go forever. Darrell Rivas and all these other guys, man. I mean, there's just a boatload of them, and he's six feet two seventy five. What did you see in him that made you go? Let's let's go. Let's let's. He's a guy for Pitt. Well, he he's you know he was a state champion wrestler, you know. So the guy showed a lot of leverage, you know, and he could bend and he as he does now and turn his body and do things. Great hands. Uh, yeah, athletically, he had quick hands and he had heavy hands. I mean, if Aaron gets a hold of you, uh, you weren't getting away. You know, you saw those things. And again, I'm going to come back to Dan because of the scheme we were playing. We were playing that 4-3 that defense, and I said, you know what? We can play with that undersized tackle that's got the quickness. And We and, had that uh, at Miami, Coach. We were all undersized tackles. Absolutely. No question about it. And that's, uh, you know, then at Dallas, I mean, you know, Tony Casillas, you know, yep, was only yep. 6-1. You know, he, he would be classified an undersized tackle. So, you know, that's what Aaron Donald brought to the table. And, uh, uh, and, and then you put in his work ethic, you know, and, and that's something that, that I knew about. And some scouts did, some scouts don't. I don't know enough about Jalen Carter with those intangibles. What am I getting in the weight room? I don't know. I don't know. But that's, that's important. You take a guy in the first round, uh, a team like the Bears is different than the Eagles. If the Eagles take him, he's going to be like Fletcher Cox is going to keep him in line, right? Yeah. Uh, all pro tackle. At the Bears, they don't have anybody like that. I mean, the Bears do not have a veteran defensive player really that has played, you know, at that Pro Bowl level. They don't have one. Don't have one. So, I mean, he's going to come into the Bears, and it's going to be a different environment than what it is at Philadelphia. I'm not so sure Philadelphia – might not be a better fit for the kid. Coach, do you think of today's NFL? I mean, I, I, I said before I brought you on, I mean, man, Jim Johnson, you, Bud Carson, all, Buddy Ryan, all these aggressive D coordinators. Now in the NFL, targeting uh, defenseless wideouts. You can't hit quarterbacks. I watched Jonathan Gannon had the second-ranked defense in the NFL, and it was absolutely one of the most 
lamest defenses I've ever seen because it was just this, Coach. Don't get beat on plus 25 plays. Keep everything in front of me. Wait for the quarterback or someone to make a mistake, a turnover, and let's play ball from 20 to 20. We'll worry about the red zone. Do you think it's tougher today to to be a coordinator in today's NFL, and that's what it's trending to, is keep oh. everything underneath? Yeah, I, I'll tell you where – where I learned a lot uh, philosophy wise when Jerome, when you got, when you guys were going to be seniors. I don't know if you remember or not, uh, buddy Ryan, who he went did. to Oklahoma. I got a picture who, of it. Yeah. He went to Oklahoma state. So Jimmy had a report with him because of coaching there and buddy called up and I was the pro in between, you know, when the pros would come in, I would get all the film for him and talk to him and uh, about the players and all that stuff for us. And Buddy called up the one to come in, and uh, Jimmy said, you know, yeah, sure, you know, blah, blah, blah. They were talking. He obviously agreed. And and I said, hey, Jimmy, tell Buddy that he comes in. We'll give him anything he wants on all of our guys. He was mainly looking at Jerome in that with that first pick, which they took him. I said, but ask him if he will spend a few hours and talk about the 46 defense. Coach, he did. Coach, I got a picture of that that I've posted Yep. A buddy coming down, and he had Stubbs, myself, Jerome, uh, I believe you, and I think Butch. We're all watching, and he's explaining on the chalkboard the 46 to us and about leverage and about angles and about this and that. And we're sitting there looking at one another going like, wow, man. I remember that, I remember that day when he came down. Well, you know, what's interesting is, the thing, and going back to your point about being aggressive, the first thing he said was, he says, let me tell you something. If He says, every game that you, you coach, if the quarterback, every time he drops back, is not fearful of getting hit in the mouth, you got a good chance to get beat defensively. So the mentality that your defense has to have is every time he drops back, he's going to get hit. And that was the aggressiveness that Buddy coached everywhere with Chicago, Philadelphia, and we talked about that. And we and I and I you would did, say, coach, that, you know, I'd say, hey, he's going to drop back. We're going to hit him in the mouth. We're going to hit him in the mouth, and and we're going to hurry his throws, and we're going to make him nervous and throw off balance and not set his feet. And that was kind of a philosophy. Nowadays. Obviously, the rule changes, Dan. You know, I don't know if any any coaches on defense are saying that anymore. I really don't. Coach, I know this. That 86 team that I played on, we had 56 sacks in 12 games. I mean, that's when you always said, why am I blitzing? I'm not blitzing. My guys are getting home. I mean, I, you mean Stubbs had 18 sacks that one year. It's it's kind of funny because we all know you, you blitz your single coverage. You know, you got a chance to give up a big one. And, God, we'd be – beating somebody and uh, I'd be and I'd say you know I'd call a blitz and Jimmy would flip the headset over and he'd said hey Dave don't get bored do not get bored (laughs) don't get bored with those four guys up front now you know we don't need seven we don't we don't need seven coming you know (laughs) coach when you got to Dallas and you guys because and I tell people this Dave and Butch and Jimmy, you guys never gave a shit about the name on the back of the jersey. You looked for a style of player, and you looked for a profile type of player, and then you figured out who he was. 
when you guys were in Dallas and the intangibles of drafting, you guys built that dynasty, three titles. Everyone knows the story. What kind of players were you looking for when you were putting your draft board together? The, the first thing, and I won't use her name here, there was a player that came out in the draft, and he ended up being drafted by someone in the first round. And, God, he was a great-looking player, a defensive lineman. And uh, we were talking about him, and the thing that Jimmy always used, and this is going back to Miami, uh, we always talked production. Production, production, production. That was the first thing. And I remember sitting in that draft room, the two of us, and, and, and I said, let me throw up this guy's production. And, and he, Jimmy made the comment, Dave, we had guys get this many sacks in one game. This is all this guy had in three or four years. So we didn't even bring him in for a visit. You know, on the other hand, uh, Maurice Crum, who you knew, Maurice Crum, I was recruiting him out of Tampa. He was undersized. He was a linebacker for our, our viewers here. And uh, Florida State didn't offer him. Miami didn't offer him. And I said to Jimmy, look at this guy. He's 100 tackles. I've never seen him hit the ground. He makes plays after plays. We brought him in. He was a four-year starter. I think it took Ray Lewis yeah. to break, break his record uh, with tackles at Miami and it won two or three national championships, maybe, you know, whatever. But the point is production, Dan. If you weren't – that's what Aaron Donald was. As a defensive tackle, he was a playmaker at the defensive tackle. Jimmy used to use the word playmaker, playmaker, playmaker. Well, that's production, production, production. Was it Mike Mamala, was it? <laughs> I, I, Andre I, Brutz? I, 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 that guy was I, a I stiff. Can't, <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't remember. Yeah. Coach, then that leads me to this about last year's 13th pick. So I said this about Jordan Davis. I watched him run that tremendous 478 at 300 and whatever pounds, 348, 338, whatever it was. And I said this to someone. So he had nine sacks in four years at Georgia? I had that in one year. I mean, I had 100 tackles. I'm like – you know, that just doesn't seem to me where that's a lot of production. And I watched him this year, Coach. I mean, in five years, he's got nine sacks, four years in college, one year in the NFL. He was the 13th pick. I mean, can guys ever grow into it? Or is that kind of part of your DNA that either you're around the ball or you're not around the ball? Because sometimes when I watch him, hopefully we can get Coach back here in a second here. Because I want to finish up here with Aaron Don or um, with Jordan Davis here. Hopefully, we're able to get, catch him back here. Because again, guys, again, it's not a rip that I'm talking about here with with Jordan Davis. It's like I'm going to ask Dave: Can a guy like that grow in to being productive? Because he he's never been a production guy like 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 I, I heard Baird Brooks say hey man here's a guy that probably is going to be more of an assist guy and what that means is going to be more of an assist guy because he's going to help more on the run well guys know this that's not the 13th pick 
And so sometimes you fall in love with what you see at the combines. And when you hear people saying, I think he's going to have a monster year. Jordan Davis has never had a monster year. He's never had one. Like, he's never had a massive production year. So, again, it's just to sit here and go, okay, well, he's going to develop into this. I think that's part of your DNA. Either you're a guy who, either you're a guy who is always productive and you're producing, um, I, I, I think that's kind of who you are. Jacob says is that Georgia blew out opponents. Jordan Day, uh, 2003 is Jordan Davis's year. Book it. Arthur, Jordan Davis has never been productive. He's never had the production that we're talking about here. Jordan, they would never take Jordan Davis in the 13th pick. That's not true. They wouldn't take a guy that's not productive. I know those men for 35, 40 years. They're not taking a guy like Jordan Davis. They would never draft him. That Cowboy team would never have drafted him. Ever. Never drafted him. Not at not at 13. Okay, not at 13. Jason goes, Dan, isn't he a lot like Wolfork? Let's see if we're able to. Coach Juan says experience connection issues due to thunderstorm in the area, working to get him back. Okay, fantastic. We're good. Okay. Um, let, let's do this then. That's a great take, Jason. That's a great take. Coach must be in Florida. <laughs> What pick was Vince Wolfirk drafted in? Vince was the 21st player taken. That sounds right. I had a I had Jordan Davis at 22. That sounds about right. See, when I saw Jordan Davis at Georgia, I saw Vince Wolfirk. And by the way, I don't think Vince is that's why I said this to you, and I say this to you guys. Hey, man, Jordan's not a bust. He's Vince Wolfark. He's not Fletcher Cox. But when you take a guy at 13, this, this was my place on how I told you that he's overdrafted. That's overdrafting. That's a prime example. Jordan Davis is never going to put up big numbers. He's never going to be a 10-sack guy in his entire career. That's not going to happen. And for the 13th pick, you need to have more production. That's always been my take with him. Hey, Jason, absolutely. And, 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 to, be, and to be fair to Jordan, he'll probably play 10 years in Philly. But he'll be a Vince Wolfert type. He'll never be a Fletcher Cox type. And just because he's taken 13th doesn't mean he's living up to it. He never was that player at Georgia. He's never been a productive player. 
Wolfwork ran a 4.08. So, um, excuse me, Jordan Davis has a long way to go before, excuse me, Arthur, before you have Super Bowl titles and before you're Vince Wolfwork. He's nowhere near that guy. That guy was destroyed in the Super Bowl and he played 12 plays in the Super Bowl and you had to get two guys from the ice cream stand to help with the defense run. So don't start talking to me about that. Are you trying to suggest to me that you think Jordan Davis is a better football player than Vince Wolfert? You're on drugs. You're on drugs. Okay? Let's see if the kid could be a productive starter first before you start talking about a guy who is a perennial pro bowler and won Super Bowls and played for Belichick. Let's see if he could be a starter first before you start dogging Vince Wolfork out. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Dude, I don't believe it. But as I said the other day when we were looking at the defense, I said that, hey, he's a starter now. More is going to be asked of him. He's it was in a backup role. He got hurt a little bit. He was out of shape. Isn't it funny? Georgia has a trend now. So their two defensive tackles have conditioning questions. Boy, I would look at Kirby Smart and go, what are you doing down there? So am I right when I say this? So Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter have conditioning issues and preparation issues. Is that because you have so many great players down there? That could be, but man, the worst thing you can ever hear a guy say is, well, you know, he's never in shape. And so two dudes that were at Georgia have conditioning problems. I don't know. Okay? I don't know, right? I mean, so now Carter's is not a guy who keeps himself in shape? Right, I mean, look, yeah, right? Am I right when I say this? Well, I mean, so last year, Jordan Davis was out of shape. Now this year, Jalen Carter couldn't get through the combines. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully we can reconnect with Dave here because I'd like to get that question to him about Jordan Davis. Um, JM goes, how we can't draft D linemen or wide receivers. Corners too, but hey, it's for another day. They won national title. They they surely did. I think it's because they have so many great players. The kid Walker and Wyatt are fabulous players. Dean was great down there. Dude, when you watch Nicobe Dean play, Nicobe Dean was a playmaking linebacker for them. Great secondary guys are corner. I mean, they've done a nice job of recruiting. Davis looked really good before that ankle. Tony, still though. Not a lot of pressure on the quarterback. I mean, it's just not who he is. I think his size is an issue for healing that type of injury during the season. No, not his size. His conditioning is the problem. Dude, biggest guys. I mean, Fletcher Cox doesn't have issues like that. Fletcher's always in shape. Fletcher's just getting older. Okay? Fletcher's just getting older. I mean, once again, Arthur, you're missing the point. 13th pick, you need more out of it. 
The 13th pick in the draft for the Eagles last year gave you nothing. Gave you nothing. Okay? Nothing. He was a non-factor. I mean, Super Bowl, he was, a ki- he was killed. Bleed green. Kobe Dean won the strongest pound-for-pound player on the 2021 Georgia team. Bleed, but the problem again is his size. Six feet, 215, 217, and you want him to play Mike linebacker? I don't know. Okay? I mean, I don't know if you can play 17 ball games like that. Tony says, you're right, Dan. I'm hoping he absorbs and matures into a solid starter. If he, you're, We're now hoping he's a little better than Vince. Okay? At least be close to the 13th pick. Right now, he's still playing like he's in. Um, Tone says this. I asked B. Brooks straight up, was Jordan Davis overdrafted? And he said, if all he's going to be is a run stuffer, then yes, he was. You need more from the 13th pick. Yeah, Bird knows that too. Right now, it's wishful thinking because they lost Hardgrave. And like I said, if Jordan Davis, the new kid from the Saints, and Milton Williams can all all together collectively get 11 to 15 sacks, um, then you, you've covered for it with less dough. You've covered for it with less money. And it, that, that's a win. That's a win for the Eagles because of the amount of money that they got to pay the quarterback in other positions. That's a win. Jordan Davis is never going to be a 10-sack guy. He's never been. You don't grow into that. You are that or you're not, I think. Now, could he affect the run game? He will. Like Vince. Vince helped the pass rushers. How? Stopping the run. Dude, why do you think a guy like Hassan Reddick became so productive towards the end of the year? Because Linville Joseph and Adamic and Sue had done an adequate enough job to stop the run, you guys at the beginning of the year were down in the 20s. But when those guys showed up, it started getting to like 15 or 16th in the middle of the pack. Once that Eagle team got to the middle of the pack and stopping the run, this is going to be your biggest problem this year, stopping the run. I think the Eagles are going to get gashed this year like they were two years ago. That's my biggest concern is up the middle, is stopping the run. Because if you can't stop the run and teams run 200 yards on you, it'll be an, the, the offense will never get on the field. Hey, Dan, with the NFC not being as strong as the AFC, mostly quarterback-wise, you're saying, I'm assuming, will the NFC East all make the playoffs and Kyle <laughs> Shannon Choker going to get to Super Bowl? I believe no. I, 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 believe, my, I, I believe Kyle Shanahan is a good coach. But I don't believe Kyle Shanahan protects his quarterbacks. Every quarterback he's coached has been killed. Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy, um, RG3 when he was a coordinator in Washington. 
He just doesn't protect quarterbacks. There's a trend there. Don't you see it? I mean, dude, for a guy who comes up with so many great schemes, this guy gets his quarterback killed. Gets his quarterback banged up. Hey, Tone, I'm going to take an early time. Wait a minute. Yeah, no, I hope that answers it, 34. I'm going to take an early time out. Hope we get Coach Wack for just a couple more minutes. We'll reset at the top of the hour here, so I'm going to take a brief time out. If Coach comes back on, great. If not, hour number three, keep it here on the National Football Show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Heading down the shore, have a ball once more. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. going to be able to reconnect a little bit here with coach wants they're going through some weather issues 
and hopefully we're able to finish up our talk with him. I'd love to get his take again on Jordan Davis. So we will talk hopefully with him. If not, we'll continue here. Um, So the Arizona Cardinals now are in the talks of cutting DeAndre Hopkins. No team is going to give Arizona what they want. Why? He's got a $30 million number on him this year, and they want a second. So wait a minute. You want me to pay $30 million and give you a two for him? Not me. No, thank you. $30 million for a wide receiver. Dude, he's a great football player. He was trending for 1,300 yards this year in 119 catches. He's a fabulous football player. He's in the conversation as one of the best wide receivers in the National Football League. He's still got a lot in the tank, not at that price. So Arizona has to cut him, which means this. He's going to be able to pick and choose wherever he wants to go, which could be frightening. What if he goes to the Jets? How about if he goes to Dallas? You know the Cowboys are kicking the tires right now on Derrick Henry? That's a fact. The Cowboys have inquired to Tennessee what it would take to get Derrick Henry in the building. I believe they have until June 1 to figure that out. The Cowboys are going to get either Bijan Robinson or Derrick Henry. I'm hoping they get Bijan Robinson. Because Derrick Henry, how many people think Derrick Henry has anything left in the tank? Yeah, but but again, Yale, if he's cut, remember he signed a one-year tag last year, did Henry. He's not, he doesn't have a contract. Um, Hopkins does. Arizona's got to get like 30 this year, and it's like 38 the year at the There's big money on this. He's got, he's JM, he's got two seasons left. Does DeAndre Hopkins. Henry, see this guy here goes like this. He's got half a tank. Guy had 1,500 yards last year. Second in the NFL in rushing. And this guy thinks he's got a half a tank. So you think a guy with 1,500 yards and they know you're getting the ball has a half a tank of gas left. Not me. That guy's built like, He's built like Adrian Peterson. That's an Adrian Peterson guy. Derrick Henry's a Hall of Fame back. He's a Hall of Famer. Greatest stiff arm since Jim Brown. Maybe Walter Payton. Just a great football player. Can you imagine Dallas getting getting Derrick Henry? It would save Dak Prescott's career. Because Dallas wants to run the ball. Hey, so you would have Derrick Henry, CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks on your offense. Um, wow. Dallas is closing the gap on the Eagles. They're closing the gap. You're still better at wideout. You're still better in the line. For whatever reason, you can't beat Dak. Dak beats the Eagles. For whatever reason. Is Jalen a better quarterback? He hasn't proven it against Dallas yet. Or more, more to the point, Jalen Hurts has not proven that he can beat 
Dak Prescott yet. He's not. Okay, you could say he's the best quarterback in the division. Well, when Dak's on the field, that's not the case. Well, Jalen wasn't on, again, every time he's on the field, he beats Dallas or Dallas beats the Eagles. When he's on the field, Cooper Rush, whatever. Jalen Hurts, Tavon, are you under the impression Jalen Hurts has beaten him? He's not beating him. That's not true. He he hasn't. And I think he's 9-3 versus Philly. So you could say whatever you want and deny it. But he's he's got a great record against Philadelphia. Henry was invisible against Philly last year. Well, I'll tell you what, with a better O-line in Dallas, so you're going to put Derrick Henry, and I would say Tennessee had one of the shittiest lines last year, and he still had 1,500 yards. So you put him behind, you put him behind Martin and them dudes. You don't think he's going to have more production? I say if he gets to Dallas, he'll get 2,000 yards again. Again, remember that, again. He's a 2,000-yard guy in his history. He'll do it again. I think he's only 28. Derrick Henry's 28. He had 1,500 yards last year. What an upgrade that would be over Zeke Elliott. And then you have Tony Pollard and Derrick Henry in the backfield. Shit. (laughs) Hey, man, that's a pretty formidable offense. That's a pretty formidable offense. And Tony Pollard and Derrick Henry running against the Eagle front four. I think the Eagle front four is very good. I do. I think they're still going to struggle, though. Stopping the run. But you put Derrick Henry back behind that Cowboy offensive line, he gets two grand. That is for sure. And it takes more pressure off Dak. Dallas knows. Do you know how Mike McCarthy can save that guy's career? Run the ball more. Take the ball out of Zach's or um, Dak's hands until he can show you that he's going to curb those interceptions that he had a year ago. What's the thing you want to do the most? Dude, I think personally, the fact that Zeke Elliott was running out of gas and that they didn't have a formidable number two because they didn't have Amari Cooper on that team, was the reason that Dak Prescott started zooming up in interceptions when he came back off that injury. There's no coincidence to that. I'm not saying if you take A.J. Brown off the football team that Jalen Hurts is going to start throwing more picks, but he would. Because you have lesser guys there then. Who would be your number two guy? Who would be your number two if A.J. gets hurt right now in Philly? Guys, tell me, who would be your number two wide receiver in Philadelphia? Quez Watkins? I don't know, man. That sounds like a pick machine for me. So, if A.J. Brown goes down, who's your number two dude? Quez? That ain't working. Cowboys are a better wide receiver quarter than you. 
If one of those two wide receivers gets injured or misses some time, Dallas will have a better wide receiving core than you. Right now, Eagles do. Right now, Philly does. Well, Tavon, if you ever listened, a wide receiver, wide receiver. What's it talking about to tie it in? Wide receiver. Thank you. Now, again, some of you have to listen better. Okay? If CD goes down, who's the... I would say this to you. If CD goes down, they'd be in the same position Philly would be in. That's how close it is. You You have no depth. Dallas has no depth. But if you put Derrick Henry and Tony Pollard, and I would say this to you, okay, so you guys are right. You want to use Dallas, you want to use Dallas Goddard as a um, option? Tony Pollard would be their option. Tony Pollard is a better cast, uh, patch, uh, pass catching running back than anything you've had in the last five years. That's a fact. You don't have pass catchers in, in Philly. As a matter of fact, the position is devalued. That's why the guy's in Carolina now. That's why the guy's in Carolina. But you put Tony Pollard and Derrick Henry, You, I think you closed the gap on Philly. I think they know that, Dallas. You guys, I mean, as we're getting closer to the draft, uh, Stephen Jones is going to join us. And so we're going to talk to him about that. They may have Derrick Henry already. Um, they may have him signed by the draft. I don't know. They may, they may end up trading their 26th pick to Tennessee um, and get Derrick Henry. They may use that. I think it's 20. I think it's 26 unless someone corrects me on that. I, I could see them sending that pick to Tennessee for Derrick Henry. I would do it. I think Derrick Henry's got three years. And, and, and like, um, Tone said, so you give me five years of Bijan Robinson helping Jalen Hurts take some of the load off him carrying the ball. Your best running back right now is your quarterback. In Dallas, you would have Pollard and you would have Henry or BJ Robinson. In Philadelphia, right now, your best running back's your QB. That's a remedy for disaster. It's totally your best running back last year was the guy in Carolina. Well, they've taken now and put more pressure on your QB. Okay. They put more pressure on him now, 50 million bucks. I get it, but your best back is not, is not on the roster yet. Probably. I don't know. Maybe maybe they're, they're happy again. See, this is why when Howie goes, I'm happy with our running back core. Are you? Really? You're happy with that? You're happy with the fact that the best running backs are QB still? Can't think that that's not something you're looking for. Your best running back in Baltimore can't be your quarterback either. Or look at what the results are. And Lamar's going around telling people my durability shouldn't be in question. Really? Sorry, dude. When you don't show up to playoff games and you're not there at the end of the season, I don't care how you want to phrase it. 
I don't care how your agent wants to phrase it. Availability and durability are part of the evaluation when you're putting a position together like the quarterback position, determining whether or not you're going to put $51 million in a guy's pocket. Sorry, kid. That is part of it all. And if Lamar doesn't want to hear that, that's because he's got his head in the sand. He's got his head in the sand and he's defending himself. Shut up, kid. Don't defend yourself. You can't win that argument when you're not on the field. Every time I look up and I see Tyler Hundley playing and you're not there, I don't care what you say. I'm not giving Lamar Jackson $51 million, just so you know. I'm not. Unless he's got a formidable offense and he's got a running back. Baltimore needs a running back. They don't need a wide receiver. That's stupid. Is Dallas in the Super Bowl with that trade? That's a great comment. Eagle way. Would Dallas be in the suit? Look at what the moves would be if they get Derrick Henry. If they put Derrick Henry on that Cowboy team, adding Stefan Gilmore, Brandon Cooks, they added more quality players to their team than you guys did. Now you And you lost five starters on defense. You didn't sign anybody with the talent level of Brandon Cooks. You didn't sign anybody with the um, bringing in, you re-signed, it's important. Getting Slay and Bradbury back. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll walk that back. I'll walk that back. Because the re-signing of Kelsey and the corners have to be taken into consideration too. It has to be. Because they were free agents too. Okay, they were free agents too. They could have went anywhere. The Fletcher Cox and Brandy Graham signs, they're good. And, and they're better when you have the corners back and the center back. And then you add that into the mix and you put the collective group. Like I said, this is more about the collective group. Okay, Bradbury, Slay, Kelsey, right? Then you put Graham and Cox. You're like, yeah. Okay, those are pretty those are good signs. Still lost safety, two linebackers, an interior defensive tackle. You still lost five starters off your football team. Center on the or guard on the other side, and you're running back. You're all pro running back. So you've lost five starters. But I would say you 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 still have to count Kelsey as a re-sign because he was a free agent. I probably think there could have been a good market for him if he chose to go somewhere else. Not saying he would have, but there, there, there would have been a market for him. B. John is potentially a generational talent. Um, if I, Again, Edge, I made the comparison on B.J. Robinson, the Texas running back, to Le'Veon Bell. I think he could be a Le'Veon Bell. And whatever you thought Le'Veon Bell, Pittsburgh – I thought Le'Veon Bell was one of the most complete backs. If I'm not mistaken, I think Le'Veon Bell was a Michigan State kid. He seemingly produced some pretty good backs there. So I would say this to you. Um, he he, he kind of reminded me of Le'Veon Bell. Elusive, good in traffic. Um, he's not a magnet in traffic. He, he runs in space very well. He's got great hands. And he's kind of like Le'Veon. And you, you know what I loved about Le'Veon Bell? He was patient. 
when he ran the ball. How many times did it look like he meandered into the line of scrimmage? But he was just being patient and letting the play develop. That's such a talent. You know, when you watch Miles Sanders, he slammed it into you. But he would always run into the wall, hoping that he fell off the wall. And he would, he, I never thought he was a good vision runner. I thought he could never get past the first line, a line of defense. I thought he was that guy. He's not great in space. Like, um, you know, I'm not saying you have to be Barry Sanders. Okay, but I mean, I always thought Miles Sanders ran into contact. You know, there's guys that run away from contact. This guy, and, and the here, 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 here's an example of guys in college that don't get it. Remember Reggie Bush? Reggie Bush, when he was in college, I thought he was the college version of Gale Sayers. He just was electric in space. Well, there's a lot of space in the Pac-12. And he could do that juking, and he could do all that, and he could do that. How many times did you watch him on film or the 22 or you watch Reggie in the pros, and he's juking in front of a guy. The guy's not moving because he thinks he's stupid because I got just as much speed as you. You run a 4-4, so do I. You ain't getting away from me. And all you did was you juked yourself into minus yardage. And he didn't figure that out until a couple more years in New Orleans. And that's when he started figuring that out. You got to hit the hole, dude. Get up, hit the hole, get up there. And he's just running around. He's running around like he's got a heart attack. And you're like, kid, hit the hole. But then there's certain guys like Le'Veon Bell that sit there and let the play develop. And they're so skilled at it. This kid Robinson shows those kind of tendencies. Now, remember, when you compare a guy to somebody like that, what you have to do, you, you always have to always put the precursor on when you say he shows tendencies of Le'Veon Bell. Because you don't ever want to compare, but you want to give you a visual of what that kid's potential looks like and what his fundamentals look like and what they could potentially be. Okay? So kind of like that. But Reggie Bush never lived up to the potential that he showed in college because Reggie thought he could do the same shit in college that he could do in the NFL. And when he got to the NFL, he realized those corners, they're not biting on that dumb shit. That's why he had a lot of minus yardage plays. He had a lot of minus yardage plays because Reggie thought he was just going to take that SC stuff and he was going to run in space and he was going to do all that juke. Those NFL guys don't go for that, man. Portholes are smaller, spacing smaller, um, lanes are smaller, the gaps close quicker. You've got to hit smaller holes. You got to do all that stuff when you're a running back in the NFL. Okay, these guys are on you like shit on rice, dog. Um, North and South. That's when you when you watched Adrian Peterson at Oklahoma, and you watched the explosiveness. You guys, what was that running back's name from Penn State years ago? Too Larry something. What was his name? Larry Johnson, does that sound right? Larry Johnson, you guys remember a guy by the name of Larry Johnson? He was a horse. And in my opinion, Larry Johnson was like the best back Penn State has had since Lydell Mitchell and, um, and Franco. And I thought he was better than uh, Saquon Barkley. Larry Johnson, man. 
was a bitch. And he was big. He was physical. I could I could think that he may have led the NFL in rushing. Larry Johnston, was it? Man, he was good, man. He was a force. Played in Kansas City. That's right, Ray. That's the kind of guy that doesn't need space. He just makes his own space. Guy was a beast, man. That's kind of back. If you're going to be a, a back like Miles Sanders, you got to be physical like that. Okay, the hole's not there. Well, I'm going to make one right through your ass. And that's how he played. You know, the Nigerian nightmare, Christian Okoye. The hole wasn't there. He carved one out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's how that guy played. Hey, there ain't no hole. Don't worry. I'll make one. I'll carve one out. <laughs> There's very few backs like that today that Derrick Henry's a guy like that. Hey, there ain't a hole there. I'll carve one out. Bijan dominated the Big 12, but when he played Alabama, they kicked his ass. Yeah, well, Big 12 versus SEC, you're going to get your ass kicked. <laughs> hey, those Jimmies and Joes. Here, I'll tell you something, Eagle Way. This is just something for you to always know when you're playing a better opponent. Lou Holtz was asked a question. How come, you know, when he left William and Mary, I think it was, he left William and Mary. Yeah, you'll like this. Uh, Lou Holtz was asked the question why you left um, William and Mary for NC State. I think it was NC State he went and coached. And uh, Lou, Lou in his own way, well, 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 well. you always sound like Elmer Fudd. Because you know, Notre Dame just kind of could beat that. You know Lou Holtz, right? We're the bit Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Notre Dame just a bit to that. Well, Lou, no, I want to know why you left. Why'd you leave William and Mary for NC State? He goes, well, there's just a little too many Marys and not enough Williams. <laughs> there's too many, there's too many Marys and not enough Williams at William and Mary. That might get it done. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I'd get Notre Dame, you know, to get to Notre Dame. Just one of the absolutely best places I've ever seen. You know, the Golden Dome. Lou used to do this. Hey, Yale. Hey, he used to, that sounds like Adam Sandler. That's funny, Arthur. He used to go like this when we played Notre Dame. Did you have Miami team? These guys are just the best. I've never seen talent like this. We'd all sit around. Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson would go like this. We're listening to Lou. He's at a press conference. That Miami team had never did anything like that. They got all the best. They got the best. They got the best. They got the And Jimmy would get to the podium and go, hey, Lou, you're 11 and 0. <laughs> 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 Lou, Lou's talking like he's 7 and 5. Lou, you're 11 and 0. <laughs> Lou, you're 11 and 0, man. They got to know Miami team. He's just trying to pull some bullshit on you. And Jimmy would look at us and go, don't buy this guy, man. They get to 11 and 0. They got Jerome Bettis, Ricky Waters on that team. And these guys, this, this guy's talking like he had nobody on that team. I'd never seen more talent in my life than that Miami Hurricane team. Okay, Lou. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, 
I told you the story before the reason that Notre Dame was they won that 88 championship because of prop 48 was it prop 48 got all the non-qualifiers into Notre Dame all of a sudden all the nuns and all the sisters and all the people at the admissions went yeah we're not doing that anymore and after that Notre Dame never won again I mean understand something about Notre Dame Notre Dame is not a national power anymore Brian Kelly used it as a stepping stone for LSU and $100 million. Notre Dame's not a national power. Okay? In the last 60 years, Notre Dame has two national titles, 88 and 73. I have 50 years probably. Come on, man. And every time they get into a Final Four, they get annihilated. Them in Michigan pretend that they're national powers. Michigan in the last 80 years has a half a title. I mean, (laughs) Bo Schembechler finished second once in his entire time in Ann Arbor. Come on, man. Michigan and Notre Dame are national powers. Really? That's not true. It's, they're fine programs, but when if you want to win national championships, you don't go to those two. You don't go to those two schools. Here's where you go: Clemson, Ohio State, maybe Oregon one day. Where do you go to the SEC? Southern Cal will never win a national championship with Lincoln Riley at USC. They'll never win a national title at USC with Lincoln Riley. And you guys wanted that dude to be your head coach in Philly. There's not one guy in his right mind that's a defensive talent would go to Southern Cal and play. Can you name me any defensive players from Southern Cal? Like, they used to have droves of them in the draft. The Palomalos. All them dudes, all the great players they used to have, the Ronnie Lotts, ain't none of those guys at that program anymore. They're all in the SEC. Nobody goes to Southern Cal to play defense. You're either a wideout. Shit, we're the running backs. They used to be running back you. All the Heisman backs. Who's the best back they've had out of? Reggie probably, right? The last great one. Nobody goes to Southern Cal unless you're a receiver. Dude, name me the greatest quarterback in the history of USC football that played in the NFL. Can you? Look at this. Ohio State and USC. Would you consider would you consider those two programs when it comes to drafting players? Name me two quarterbacks. One from Southern Cal and one from Ohio State. In the last hundred years that have gone on to do anything in the NFL and were evaluated for the draft, name me one from each school. I'll give you I, – I don't care if they were marginal. Who, Carson Palmer? Probably. So your, your ceiling's Carson Palmer at USC. How better than Ohio State? A lot better than Ohio State, that's for sure. Okay? 
lot better, a lot, lot better than Ohio State. So between those two schools, here's here's what you have: Mike Tomzak and Carson Palmer. <laughs> Caleb Williams is going to be great. Really? Okay, you say so. CJ Stroud still is going to be. He's going to be a game changer, if you say so. <laughs> Not me. I'll draft the short stuff kid from Alabama. You know why I take Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud? There is no history of success with quarterbacks in that school, and he ain't going to be the game-changing guy. When I watch him play, that he does not make me go, wow, that guy is some player. I'll tell you this, Dwayne Haskins showed me more talent than he did. Dwayne Haskins showed me more ability. Shit, Cardell Jones showed me more ability than C.J. Stroud did. And everyone's like, this kid here, man, it's prototypical. And I'm like, prototypical Ohio State, you mean? He's, proto- he's not a prototypical NFL talent. He's a prototypical Ohio State talent. Like, Like, get this. Think about evaluating. Again, evaluating for the draft is important because I think going to certain places, you're trying. What are you trying? What's the most important thing Howie Roseman's trying to do in the draft in three weeks? You know, the most important thing he's trying to do? He's trying to eliminate failure. Why do you go to programs that have a lineage of failure and draft the same position to get the same result, hoping? that maybe one of these guys is going to break the curve or the trend. So you're playing the law averages at Ohio State. He's going to be it. Wow, what a gamble at one. What a gamble with the first pick in the draft. You're going to gamble that he's going to break the trend. Hmm. Okay. Think about Ohio State, for for instance. So you had Joe Burrow in your building and in your program, and you didn't see it. And I'm supposed to believe C.J. Stroud's the guy. When the same guy was evaluating Joe Burrow and told Joe Burrow he'd never play in Columbus, along with Urban Liar, I'm supposed to take his evaluation after letting Joe Burrow walk out of Columbus to a national championship at LSU and a Heisman Trophy. Why would I believe you? You you had two years with the kid, Burrow. You had two years with Burrow. But when scouts come in, this kid's got everything. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. So I'm going to take the kid who may not be the physically imposing guy I'm sold on Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud for this. That guy wins against some of the most important talent that's going into the draft. He throws through small windows. He throws dimes. He's competitive. He may not be the biggest guy. Tone, I'm going to take your philosophy. If I get five years out of that guy and he delivers me a Super Bowl and he gets destroyed in his sixth year, it was worth it. Okay? He plays 10 years. It's it, – it would be icing on the cake. But I'm going to count on having Bryce Young for five years, and they're going to be magical years. 
C.J. Stroud, I'm not drafting you. Because I don't believe, one, your conference is not that good. And secondly, your program doesn't develop that position. Isn't it funny? All the players that come out of Ohio State are wideouts. So they win in spite of the QB. The QB is not the catalyst there. It's the wideouts and the back and the line and the defense. That's how they went at Ohio State. They couldn't recruit a quarterback for the next level if their life depended on it. They never have. Whether it was Woody Hayes, it was Jim Trestle, if it was Urban Liar or Ryan Day, they can't do it. They just can't. As I told you before, Purdue has had more success at the quarterback position in the Big Ten than almost any other program in that conference. Shit, to some extent, Oregon has had more success than USC at the quarterback position. And Caleb Williams in next year's draft, he's a transfer from OU. I mean, what quarterback at UCLA has ever been great? Oh, yeah, that's right. You got a transfer from OU. Hmm. You got Aikman. He was a transfer. Played at UCLA. So the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the two Los Angeles schools will be transfers. You're telling me there's no kid in the Southern California area that's a superstar player at the quarterback position that wants to stay there. Gee, I wonder why. Because the program doesn't develop them. Never have. If I'm a top flight quarterback at Matter Day in Los Angeles, I'm going to Southern I'm going to the southern part of the United States. I'm going to the SEC. Even that jackass Brian Kelly, I'm going there. Even though I don't like the guy, I'm going there. And soon to be after this year. Uh, Dumbo Fisher will be fired at AM. They'll get a decent coach at that program, too, once they get rid of Dumbo Fisher. Hey, I know I sound like I'm, I'm, I'm picking on the, uh, the former FSU and Florida coaches. There's probably something to that. Yale, there's probably something to that. Dumbo Fisher and, um, and Urban Liar. There's probably something there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It has to be, right? Oh, man. Oh, I, 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 hey, when I take a timeout, I'm going to show you something. I promised you guys. Yeah, I see it now. I promised you, and my aunt knows this. My dad played golf with Jackie Robinson. And the Robinson Foundation gave me something. I thought it was lost. And I'm going to show you guys this thing uh, when I take a time. Hey, you know what? Yeah, well, I'm going to take a timeout now. I want to show you this thing. Jackie Robinson's wife, Rachel Robinson, gave me this. And what's cool about it is I went to school with Jackie's kids. My dad played golf, as I said, at Hubbard Heights with them. And we used to go up to Pound Ridge. And they lived right near this place called the Italian Center. And so I've swam in the pool there. And Jackie was a staple in Stanford. I got pictures, actually. Um, Bob Robostelli sent me some pictures of him and uh, Jackie Robinson. I thought you guys would like to see this. This thing's pretty cool. I'm going to show it to you. I got this from the, Ro the Robinson Foundation, I think in 97. So I'm going to take a timeout. We'll reset some things here. 
Keep it here on the National Football Show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Heading down the shore. Have a ball once more. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore, all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Even my biggest detractors are now going, Silio's full of shit, but he was JB's boy. And now even Eagle fans over on my Twitter page, at Dan Silio Show, are going, he's calling Jalen Carter the next Jerome Brown? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's good and bad. Again, I love that guy. It was more than just teammates. I don't throw that compliment out. I have never said that about another prospect. 
I've said that before about a guy maybe comparing it to Cortez. Jerome and I recruited Cortez Kennedy. Mom came down. He had to go to JC, I think, for a year. And Cortez goes, man, thank you guys so much for taking us out. I go, well, you got to carry on here, son. Well, Russell's here. I go, well, he's carrying on too. I'll never forget, man. Butch Davis and both. Dave wants that. Unfortunately, Dave had some weather issues where he is. Here's here's a story on Russell. Here's a story on um, Russell Maryland. So Russell Maryland got recruited by one school, University of Toledo. These guys could find him, man. They could find talent. So they get him in here. This kid's falling down all the time. Me and Jerome are watching him. He's just falling down. He's got great hip movement, good hands. You see, you kind of see some things there. And he was the quietest guy on the planet. Quietest guy on the planet. And finally he had the he had the balls to come up to us and go, Hey man, can you help me? And we always had a rule. If you ask us, we'll help. If you don't, it's on you. So believe me, I mean, Russ will tell you to this day, getting schooled by both of us and, and teaching them. It was better than anything he ever had. He goes, it was one of the reasons I got the invitation to go to Cortez Kennedy's induction to the Hall of Fame was because I did the same thing for him. We did. We did. Jerome and I did. Butch Davis goes, this guy falls down a lot, man. He's just, I don't know. We both looked at him going, no, 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 no. You're crazy. This kid's going to be somebody. Got to keep working with him. He'll he'll figure out his pads. He's got to keep his pads under his his feet under his pads. He'll figure it out. He's got to work better leverage. He's just playing too high. That'll come. So we worked with him. We worked with Cortez. We did the same thing. I worked with Cortez, showing him how to move, showing him how to play with your pads. You know, you got to kind of like, like you got to kind of like be a gorilla. You know, you're like this, but then you just squat down. You putting your hand down. Don't ever put leverage on your hand. Because it's all in your hips. And you got to play like you're like like that. You got to play like that. And so he he figured it out. And that's how we taught. That's why when Ed Ogeron goes, these guys watch those tapes of you two guys. It had to have been for like 18 years they watched them. So when I throw a compliment out like that, and he's sitting at 10, and I'm telling you that's Jerome Brown. I I don't think I've ever said that in 35 years. Let me show you this. I thought this was lost. My wife's in the garage. She goes, she goes, is this that thing you've been looking for? Um, I think this is number 22 of 197 the uh, foundation gave away. I said, yeah, that's the patch they put on the players. He goes, well, these first um, – and they did 1997 because that's when they, um, I believe, retired Jackie's number. And so they've sent me a frame of it, and it's kind of mis been misplaced, but she found it downstairs, this Jackie Robinson patch that the foundation made for Major League Baseball. And it's one of t- 1997. And – Jackie was a friend of our families. I thought that was pretty cool. I think I got to put that up behind me. Wouldn't you think? 
When you think, I think I got to put that up behind me here. Okay. My wife finds all this, she's finding all this shit in the garage. She's cleaning it up, she's making it look good. JM's, he may not have compared anyone to JB, but he did say Michael Parsons. I never said that in my entire life, ever said Michael Parsons was the next Lawrence Taylor. As a matter of fact, JM, if you want to go over to my Twitter page, I said that don't ever compare uh, Micah Parsons to Lawrence Taylor. And he and I got into a back and forth. We went over it on this show. So once again, not true. Okay? I got it. I, I got it now. Okay, JM. Micah Parsons. Okay? If you're keeping score. <laughs> Very cool. Let's move on to this here. How many people think that this is going to be, this is going to be, you tell me if you agree with or disagree with it. Greg Popovich and Bill Belichick might be the most overrated coaches in the history of sports. Agree or disagree? Do you agree or disagree? Greg Popovich and Bill Belichick might be the most overrated coaches of all time. Wow. Yale says Belichick. Interesting. Ray says I agree. Greg Pop, Greg Pop, disagree. Okay. Here's my take on it. Don't you agree that both Popovich and Brady had the greatest locker room buffers of their bullshit in the history of sports? What has Greg Popovich done since Tim Duncan has left? He lost Kawhi Leonard, a guy who was an MVP for him in the finals, and then he was so pissed off at him, he sent him to another country and still won an NBA title. You couldn't connect with a 25-year-old player, and the Spurs have been dog shit since Tim Duncan has left the building. Dog shit. You know why all those sayings that he had and all that bullshit he had? Wasn't it Duncan in the locker room going, hey, this is what Greg means. All that bullshit, that Belichick, hard work. Well, what has Belichick done since Brady left? Well, I know what Brady's done. He's put his team every year that he played in Tampa into the postseason, won two division titles. A Super Bowl. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. What has Greg Popovich done since Duncan left the building? What has he done? Tim Duncan, okay, in that building, 
had to be one of the greatest runs because those five to, you know that Tim Duncan's got more championships than O'Neal. He's got five. Shaq's got four. But he did it in one place over a span of like 17 years. Okay? What has Popovich done? Great Popovich is not, I don't know. You think San Antonio looks like the San Antonio Spurs? Hey, look, I get it. They were able to go get Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, Duncan. That whole crew was a great run. But, dog, look at what Andy Reid has done. Andy Reid won in Philly. Andy Reid is winning in Kansas City. Hey, and by the way, some go, well, he's got Mahomes. Yeah, well, Mahomes and Texas Tech coming out. How many people? Wait a minute. There was just as much people. There was just as many people saying this about Patrick Mahomes being a first rounder. Are you kidding me? Texas Tech? He had a losing record there. And they're doing this. Texas Tech? There was just as much doubt on him being a one as there was Jalen being a two. So when people go, well, you know, I don't know. He drafted him, and he carried McNabb. McNabb's one of the greatest whiners of all time. Okay? You know, the team, nobody loves me, you know. I know, Donovan. (laughs) And, oh, the team and me, you know. Nobody in Philly loves me. (laughs) I just thought he was a whiner. I thought McNabb moaned, man. Hey, everybody, I'm the star, not T-Jax. Not T-O, me. <laughs> okay, guy. T-Jax should never have been. T-Jax should never have been all pro at two different positions. Kick returner and, and wide receiver. Yeah, great teammate, dude. <laughs> Got to keep in mind the Spurs and Patriots are very specific cultures that was carved out by old players, old school players with a lunch pail mentality. Everybody can't play there. Well, that's a fact because they can't replace them. This era of sports will never serve programs like the Spurs or Patriots. Players want to build their brands. So then they never evolve with the times. Is that what you're saying? Interesting take. Interesting take, Tone. So Belichick, in your opinion, along with Greg Popovich, are a product of an era that is gone. Maybe we're saying the same thing. Okay? Because you 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 can't. You can't put players in the building. Dude, Duncan and Brady are so much alike. They don't talk, they didn't talk a lot of shit when they played. Players love playing with those guys. I don't know. Get this. Isn't it? Aren't those two guys like exactly alike almost? Popovich and Belichick? They're almost identical. I don't know how many people could play. When, when, When Tone goes like this, cultures like that. Well, that's the coaches you're talking about, right? 
Well, you had to have catalyst, though, Tone. Like, like, like Duncan and Brady. Duncan and Brady made the things work in those cultures. Because, get this, though, Tone. The stuff you're talking about is chalkboard stuff and um, win one for the Gipper shit and all the sayings on the wall. You got to have guys in the building that buy in. Tim Duncan and Tom Brady could win today, and they would win today. Old school mentality wins in the modern era. I I, I think Tom Brady, if he was younger, he'd still be. Same thing with um, Duncan. That's why Kawhi Leonard left. I'll tell you the story there to that. Him and his team wanted to build his brand and profile. That's why he rented a house in uh, Toronto and parlayed that into his team with the Clippers. Kawhi was supposed to be that guy. I'll tell you exactly why. Kawhi went up to um, um, Greg Popovich and went like this. You know, where, where do you think he learned load management? He learned load management in San Antonio. Because Greg Popovich did that shit all the time. People just didn't notice it because no one else was doing it. The creator of load management in the NBA and why no one likes the sport any longer, or I shouldn't say like it, watch it as much, was created by Popovich. That load man, how many, I remember those Spurs teams not traveling guys to Miami to take on LeBron, when he was down there with the uh, Heat, he created that. And Kawhi goes, I'm going to play. What does Kawhi play? Probably, what, 65 games? Oh, yeah, because that's – get this. Do you know now the NBA has now put a rule in that if you don't play in 65 ball games, you can't be considered for all NBA. you got to play – you got to put a work order in for these players to want to play now instead of doing it for the love of the game. How sad is that? No wonder chicks basketball at the college levels out drawing them. No wonder. Dude, no one likes watching regular season NBA basketball. It's not worth it. It's not appointment setting anymore. There's no great matchups. And when you turn on the television, stars are sitting. So LeBron thought it was cool that he play in the All-Star game, but has sat out the majority of the game since he broke the record from Kareem. Fans look at that and go like this, especially a city like Philly. Let me say this to you, too, about one thing about Embiid here. The Spurs and Patriots will never return to the prominence unless their superstar talent is drafted and homegrown. Correct. You're never going to bring in a dude and change your culture. you got to draft that culture and develop the culture. That's... 1,000% true. Let me say this to you about Embiid. Dude, I'll never look at Joel Embiid the same way I look at Giannis. Do, I mean, I just don't. Sorry, Philly. Giannis is a Philly guy. Embiid is an L.A. guy. I'll never look... If I had to pick between those two guys to win a championship and have a guy carry me to a title, and Bede's not it. Giannis is. Well, he shows and Bede's a great player. Yeah. 
So when you're talking about the best player in the NBA, congratulations. Welcome to the conversation. You're lucky I'm even bringing you up in the conversation. But if I had to win a ball game and I had to pick between Giannis and Embiid, who are you picking? <laughs> Embiid? Good luck. I'm sure he'll have mental cramps somewhere. Okay? I'm sure of it. Giannis is going to show up and play his ass off. I never watch a game where that guy is not on the floor kicking ass, chasing loose basketballs, doing whatever. It's got to get to a point where you stop doing this. You think the Sixers will ever get out of the East with Embiid? You know what they asked the question in Milwaukee? You think this is another season that Giannis delivers a title in Milwaukee? Those are the kind of guys that are changing the cultures. Those are the kind of guys like Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow goes into Cincinnati, okay, goes into Cincinnati, changes the culture. Giannis goes back up there, changes the culture back into when Luau Cinder played there. Joel Embiid has changed nothing. The narrative on him, here's the Sixer narrative. Well, I'm sure something will happen with James Harden. Always does. Somebody will step on his toe or some shit. And Embiid, something will happen. It always does. Giannis is going to carry his team. Shit, the guy Brown up in Boston is a guy that I would say is not in the two categories of what those two guys are. But when I, when I watch Giannis play, when you watch Giannis play, you see Joel Embiid? Okay, I just... Chris goes, people watch the NBA. Well, it's getting closer to the playoffs. Okay, it's getting closer to the playoffs, so I'm assuming. You guys, hey, could listen, I, I, you know, you know I'm friends with Doc Rivers. I've known Doc a long time. Okay. I, 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 I'm friends with Doc. He's been on the, pro, he's been on this program. You know, I think as, hey, what do you think, Tony? You think we should get Doc Rivers on? I think we should get Doc on again. Had him on last year. We should do it again. I've known Doc Rivers for about 20. I knew Doc when he was coaching the Magic. I think that was his first gig. It was the heart and hustle team. And um, we used to play golf. His kid, I think, lives, I think they still have a house down in Orlando, if I'm not mistaken. I think they still have a house. Doc's on thin ice. Um, and 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 uh, with the Sixers, he sure is. I wouldn't doubt that he gets if they get bounced early. That I think. Hey, would we all agree? Rivers has to. Doc Rivers has to get to the Eastern Conference Finals to keep his job. I think. I don't think you can get bounced in the second round and keep your gig in Philly, because it'll go like this. In my opinion, they'll blow out Doc. Then they'll then the conversation will start in Philly. Do you move and bead? And do you try to get pieces? I'm going to go back to my boy Tone, what he said a couple weeks ago, man. Jimmy Butler, man. It's like, hey, hey, Tone, didn't like the curse of Jimmy Butler, dude? It's like, the, hey, Jimmy Butler just puts his voodoo on it, man. He goes, hey, man, you kept that stiff over me? Hoss, man, bad move. It's like the curse of, it's, 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 it's the Jimmy Butler curse. 
I love that dude, man. He's one of my favorite ball players, man. We are getting closer to the draft. I cannot wait. Now, I circle back to the start of this. At 10, if Jalen Carter is there, I am drafting Jerome Brown. I watched the tape again last night. Right foot, left foot, and like Coach Wanstatt said, put him in a three, two, one. Things you could do with Hardgrave. He's there at 10. He's an upgrade to Hardgrave. He's a better football player. And get this, $19 million cheaper. How would you like to have a better player, better against the run, 10-year player, and then get this, so you would have Jordan Davis and him for the next decade, and you would have your left side of your old line for the next decade. That's the Eagle way, isn't it? That's how the Eagles win championships. You could have, that would be formidable, to say the least. All right. I appreciate you coming on. Thank God we were able to get Coach Wanstead for the time we did. We thank him so much for coming aboard. Xander Big Joe. Tone, who does a spectacular job as always. We thank you very much, and God bless everyone. Till tomorrow, going 3 to 6 Eastern. We'll see you on the flip side. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.